everybody and welcome back to Need More Info, a podcast exploring the world of movies, video games and TV shows. I'm your host Nate and today we have returning guests James, Doug and followed by new members Chaz and Jordan. Welcome everybody. How are we all doing today? Hope you've all had a great week. It's been alright, yeah, not bad. Hello again. Uh, it's, it's, all good, it's all good to have you here. Hey there. Excellent. And uh, how are you yourself, James? You good, man? Yeah, I'm doing alright. Uh, been up to anything? Uh, you guys been up to anything good this week at all, or? Unfortunately, nothing, nothing particularly exciting at the moment. Um, pass it over to Doug. Uh, yeah, nothing thrilling. Just uh, keeping up with the start of the year. Living that pandemic life. <laughs> I finally watched Don't Look Up. <laughs> hey. I still haven't watched that, you know. And I've listened to you guys talk about it as well. <laughs> Well, I I deliberately didn't listen to the the tail end of last week's podcast just so oh, I, I could did. actually watch it, um, and it it was amazing. So uh, I'm definitely definitely taking that recommendation highly next time. Uh, I like the uh, the premise of it, so I might still watch it even though I kind of know what happens. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it, it, it's an experience. Yeah, no, I'd say do watch it. I mean, it was top, as you can tell from last week, it was top of my list of uh, films of last year. Um, Again, I thought it was an important film at an important time, and um, I love I love my satires. It was just, it was yeah, it's well written. Yeah, I've been thinking about uh, watching The Big Short at some point because it's on. It's on I saw it advertised on Netflix, so I thought, well, I might, I might give this a go, then see what it's actually like. And it's, uh, it, it's nice to actually have an in-depth conversation and actual talk about the uh, the films at the top of your list. Uh, you know, not trying to avoid every single secret possible, James. You know, though, uh, everyone can see Eternals now, so that's on Disney Plus. So that'd be a uh, pretty good to uh, check out. But yeah, so um, obviously, you know, as we just uh, said, uh, last week we delved into our top movies of 2021, and it was a pretty interesting selection of films. Some definitely caught off guard moments, which uh, I'll definitely be adding to my list, especially that um, my Octopus Teacher documentary uh, film. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what Doug uh, does this week. Just to uh, be an outlier and try and try and catch us off guard, that'd be pretty good, man. <laughs> Five extremely strange games we've all never heard of that were made by like a person and a toaster. I'm not trying. <laughs> There's just interesting things out there that people don't talk about. Honestly, that is the best way. Yeah, it's so the best way. Uh, but yeah, this uh, but this week we will actually be exploring the top five games played in 2021. Now, note I've stated played as we do have a few titles which came out before last year. Uh, we want to explore games we've enjoyed, but either by discovering them through though released outside of 2021 or games which had updates or were actually really released last year on other platforms. So, you know, we, we want to expand the discussion, we want to expand the games people play and actually find some nice hidden gems out there. Obviously, mentioning hidden gems, uh, further episodes down the line, we'll actually have like a little discovery to corner. Chaz was actually the one that suggested this because uh, uh, Chaz actually has a uh, is known for having a long list of films that he's working his way through. <laughs> Yeah, films that, uh, when I say I haven't seen them, people always react like, how have you not seen that? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so I'm known for, like, recommending stuff to people, and Chaz just looks at me like, oh, for fuck's sake, me. Uh, I just added to the goddamn list. But, yeah, so he's uh, he suggested a little uh, Discovery Corner title pending. Uh, so to anything we've discovered by, by ourselves, by friends, or by you, the listeners. So, yeah, but uh, before we actually get into the uh, conversations today, uh, I thought we'd... Uh, have a little bit of a roundtable round table introduction on what sort of games we actually like and uh, what you know what sort of titles we actually do prefer to play. You know, actually, mate, uh, c- 
come into play with the sort of titles which may crop up on our list. So, uh, uh, James, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, one of my favourite genres is probably um, strategy games, mainly turn-based strategies these days. Um, like my old man turn-based strategies. Uh, but, I, but I'm also, I also love my immersive sims. Uh, it's probably, I mean, Deus Ex original was probably the um, key game which got me into um, gaming in a big way. So, um, yeah, those are my two favourite genres, turn-based and immersive sims. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, um, I do like uh, do like a good turn-based. I um, only actually got into really turn-based strategies more um, when I actually finally played XCOM. Uh, XCOM 2, I was uh, actually put onto that by my housemate and he could tell I was playing that game a lot because the Starship Troopers theme song would start playing in my room. It's sort of like a so like an introduction to me actually starting to play that game to be honest uh how about yourself doug uh so generally i'm i'm quite an enjoyer of indie games like i used to be big into the multiplayer shooters and like uh battlefield 2142 i spent many many hours in and uh some other things but i feel i kind of moved on from that and so now in games i look for stories or things that make me think or um give me new ideas which tend to mean a lot of narrative games uh, some puzzle games as well. Like I, I like, I like puzzle games that kind of make me feel smart or try, like give me ideas and things. But yeah, that's that's um, that's probably the best way to describe the kind of games I'm into. Yeah, I have uh, have seen some of the games you played, and uh, yeah, they they do seem really nice, interesting. I think I'm gonna possibly uh, you know, prod you for some ideas at some point, to add to my list and everything. So that'd be a good idea. Uh, Chaz, how about yourself, dude? Hey, so yeah, primarily I play like a lot of the same games. I play games that, you know, I think they call it, they have a long tail, they're live service stuff. Um, but in between those, um, I like uh, indie games. I'm a PC gamer primarily, uh, like strategy games, simulation games, and uh, the odd random game that falls outside of there. You know, I play the odd platformer and horror game as well. Yeah, you like, um, is, Abe's, is Abe's Odyssey you enjoy? Uh, Abe's Odyssey, Abe's Exodus, yeah, two of my favorite games. Yeah, yeah, because I remember you having a nice uh, chat, a nice chat. We had that about that before, and uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. And uh, Jordan, how about yourself, man? So I'm primarily into like role playing games. Um, I used to be a humongous fan of uh, World of Warcraft, but I kind of gotten back into mostly single player games. Um, basically because I'm I'm you know really into like immersive, engaging stories, and you know, I feel like, especially with uh, COVID having been a thing, uh, it makes you forget, like, the drudgery of life. So, um, yeah, RPGs are basically top of my list of, of games that I enjoy, but I'm also a big fan of FPS games. You know, I love Overwatch, and I'm desperately awaiting the release of Overwatch 2 whenever the fuck that's going to happen. But uh, someday I'll, I'll, I'll get my grubby little hands on that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's me. Did you see about the uh, the Lego set that's possibly getting released for that? I mean, that there's like three or four different Lego sets at this point now. Um, the uh, the um, Hammond, I should probably say its actual title, the Wrecking Ball Lego set has been in like my Amazon wish list for about two years straight. Ah, thanks for the uh, <laughs> Christmas gift idea there, Nate. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Uh... I I I will probably I'll probably own some some Overwatch figures one day, but like Blizzard has a, a tendency to make figures that are extremely beautiful, but also extremely expensive. So, uh, won't be any time soon. 
Yeah, fair enough. Cool. And uh, myself, uh, as people generally know, I'm into, I tend to be into my AAA games, really. People are quite shocked how I get through big, sport, sprawling, 60-hour campaign games with heavy narratives in like such a short amount of time. And uh, I really, you know, I've got a family member, so obviously uh, you can share games with people. And I don't think my family member of mine has bought a, piece, uh, a game in like two and a half, three years. So he's just basically just leeched off my games, really, to be honest. And uh, it's been the cheapest three years for him, but he switched to Xbox now. So he's actually enjoying Game Pass and getting back into that. He's finally going through. He's playing all the Gears of Wars games again. And uh, he's finally playing Halo, going to finally play Infinite and everything. But yeah, no, uh, I'm primarily into those sorts of games, really. I've uh, got a big love for uh, Spider-Man. I uh, loved that game. It was one of the best games in the last 10 years. I do really enjoy the day, uh, game Days Gone. It wasn't obviously, you know mixed reviews but i actually really enjoyed it obviously a big fan of the main actor sam whitwer um but yeah that's that's mine really that's uh so yes that is everyone's game uh get what games they enjoy so that's uh that's awesome everyone cool right so the way we're going to do this people is if you listen to us last week for our top five movies uh we're going to go around each person we are going to get our top fives and then we'll go on to the next person after that um and after that and after that and then we're going to top four and so on and so forth but if someone at if someone mentions a game that's higher on someone else's list, we will have a brief talk about that first, and then we will have a more detailed conversation later on. Before we get to our top list, though, we do have a few honourable mentions on the list uh, that didn't make quite li- quite to our lists, but we thought we'd uh, put them in there anyway because you know sometimes games just don't get onto that list, but you still have a good love for them, and you just want to you just want to mention them and see how they go. So, uh, so yeah, uh, James, uh, do you have any honourable mentions yourself? Uh, not this time, no. Wow, that's a, that's a, a good one. Uh, I'm surprised, James. You, you you do have some honourable mentions. Uh, so, uh, fair enough. Cool. Well, we we will keep rolling then. Uh, Doug, how are yourself, man? Yeah, so I've got a few honourable mentions. Just that were they were good parts of last year, but they are they're not like a, they're not a full game or they're just kind of ongoing. So like, I mean, one of the honourable mentions for me is Jackbox in general. <laughs> Because, uh, like, especially right now, like, Jackbox is almost like a, a corner of life in itself. It's like an, a public service for all the lockdown parties we have. But I was literally going to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That and Garcic Phone. Did yeah, they release a new update for Jackbox this year? I'd say that counts if so. Uh, Party, Pack t- Party Pack 8's come out. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's good. But yeah, um, other, other couple of mines. Uh, I very recently played um, the Outer Wilds DLC Echoes of the Eye, which is absolutely brilliant like uh, i love the outer wilds game so much and this dlc was a, a great way to kind of expand on what that world is already doing it was just such a pleasure to be back in that that world of curiosity of theirs yeah so outer wilds outer wilds um, yes not yeah, not yeah. Like outer wilds not outer worlds outer wilds, I'm yeah. confused with that, no. uh, yeah. yeah i mean i i love i mean i, I enjoyed playing what i haven't played dlc but i enjoyed playing what i played of the Art of Wilds, but I remember it's terrible, but I, didn't, I, don't, I don't think I've got anywhere near close to completing it. Yeah. And the, the last one, just a, as a game I was really impressed with, and I'm, I actually expect to see more of as time goes on, is Splitgate. That was, it was really fun to play. It's free. Um, it's basically, imagine Halo multiplayer, but there are portals in it. And uh, it is super slick. It is a shooter where you get to feel really clever. <laughs> um, that's really cool. I'm, I'm expecting a lot from that team. Because they're still kind of building up their gaming community. Those are mine. 
Those are my honourable mentions. Splitgate, yeah, I um, may come back to Halo later, actually, so uh, that's, uh, that's actually nice. I might actually remember that for later. Uh, Chaz, how about yourself, dude? Uh, only a small one, to be honest, because it's a small game. Um, but there's a game called uh, Dorf Romantic on Steam. Uh, it's basically just like a little chill... Uh, I guess it's a puzzle game. You kind of build the world out. Um, it's tile-based. It's just, like, super chill. The music's very calming. And it's just, like, if you want to, you know, just load up a game for, like, five, ten minutes and just play something that's, like, you know, very easy on your, your mind, it's just it's a good one to do. Um, yeah. Nice. And uh, Jordan, I'll take it over to you, dude. Hey there. So, um, yeah, uh, my honourable mention is... Well, I've got two, technically, but... Uh, they're both games that released like a few years prior. Um, so the first one being Last of Us 2, mostly because it took up a lot of my first year of lockdown. I played that game to death, like more than I think many other people around me recommended. And, uh, you know, and uh, I feel like it was it was uh, an amazing addition to an already interesting and uh, heartwarming to so, so to speak or or devastating is probably a better way of putting it uh <laughs> um you know story that was last of us one um and then the other was uh death stranding um you know they're still kind of releasing new content for that game but again it was another game that took up a lot of my time uh when it released um you know absolutely phenomenal story but uh it's one of those games where I feel like if you, if you don't get into it right away, you're not going to get it. Because I think a lot of people had a similar reaction to like some folks in reviews where they were just like, what the fuck is this game? Um, and it's very UI heavy, but I, I was absolutely blown away by it. So uh, fuck all of them. <laughs> I still don't know what that game is really, but I don't know. It seems cool from what I understand of it. You go walking with parcels with Daryl from The Walking Dead. I get that bit, but I've heard there's some story shenanigans. But you know, I I don't know. I've not played it, so I don't know exactly what the deal is there. I mean, it's Kojima, so it takes it'll take a while to sort of get into the the grooves of that story. Yeah, I as John knows, I played around the same time as him, and like that game, I did not expect that game to be like seventy hours when I played it. Like it was. It took so like, and I'm like, like I, I'll admit, I was one of those people that was skeptical about going into it because the first ten hours is very. It feels like you have to get through like the first five to ten hours before you really know what the game is starting to be. Like you start getting, like you start understanding it more and everything. And obviously, I just bought the um the director's cut, and obviously uh, other people because I was fortunate enough to get a PS5. No digs. I know some people have been, uh, you know, <laughs> I jokingly said that before. Some people are very bitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming to PC, so it doesn't matter. I, I, my my bitterness is gone. Yeah, I was gonna say Jordan, but that answers that question. Uh, yeah, but no. Um, yeah, so that's coming to PC. I was actually gonna say that's coming to PC this year. So, as well as uh, Final Fantasy has just come out on PC for other people who actually want to play the dlc for that i've heard there's been mixed things about that though for the pc version which is frustrating um but yeah no but death shining was very interesting uh myself uh though i've got three uh, i won't go into them that much but first one is uh terminator resistance uh it's a it's a game 
to say the <laughs> to say the least. Um, you sound confident. Mm. I mean, I so I think it's one of those games that has a very big nostalgic factor with me. Like, I love the Terminator series. I've, I always have um, the '84 film. I believe it was '84. Uh, freaked me out when I was younger, like when I was little. Um, and I just had a huge passion for it ever since. And I loved the PlayStation 2 era dark fate games or like third person. But this one was like, um, you play, you play as some, um, I won't go into the details of characters, but you play some character in the, in the future and everything. And you're dealing with Skynet and you eventually intersect with other characters in the narrative and you do, it is, it is an open world. So you actually do go around fighting different Terminators, uh, different robot variations, but the game... So I feel the game has this sort of mid-2000, 2010 shooting aesthetic. It's it's not quite up to the... It's not quite up to scratch as like games like Killzone that, uh, that came out for the early PS4, but it would be actually really good to see where they go with that. It would be really interesting, to be honest. Uh, my next one is Far Cry 6. Uh, so obviously, as mentioned earlier, I'm into my AAA uh, big big i have to emphasize big games uh because this game's too huge especially for uh giancarlo esposito gus fring himself uh from breaking bad um it's set in like a um a, a take on cuba uh but it's not actually cuba um and it's uh you you play a character called danny rares you can actually be a male or a female uh i, I chose the female version because uh Weirdly enough, Ubisoft games, I feel their female actresses have actually been portraying the characters better. So there's actually the same happened with Assassin's Creed as well. Uh, so, um, so yeah, that's pretty interesting. And there's a funny bit in the game where if you if you are flying around in a helicopter, driving in a car, and you've got the radio on, and, the, and a popular song comes on, the actor in the game will start singing along badly. So when Living La Vida Loca comes on and they start singing, of course I'm going to put on my honorable mentions list <laughs> but no um yeah i actually like the fact that the game actually gives a personality to the character now like it goes third person in cutscenes. these people actually have full-on conversations they actually give the character's personality in depth and there's a whole uh, side story with the son and is he on is he on the main character side is he with his father and it's just like this toppling effect of like how this nation is built on a drug which is supposedly to help people with cancer and how how that factors in and how it manipulates people and yeah it just and i thought the ending was like i got to the end of that game and i was like oh fuck i did not expect that to happen so it caught me off guard but just getting to that point did feel like it was definitely better than the other far cry games i've played and the other recent ubisoft games i've played which have been really good but after a while i've just sort of petered off from them because like assassin's creed i love the games i found out there's a new expansion coming out that's actually 32 quid a standalone because it's its own standalone game, technically. So it's uh, called Dawn of Ragnarok. Loads of Ragnarok games coming out. and um, But it just feels like, because the worlds are so big now, I just get to a point now where I'm just sort of like, I'm starting to taper off from it. I just can't focus on it anymore. So I just, and there's too many games coming out. So I just... I don't know how you have the time or the mental energy to play, to constantly play games with maps so massive and so crammed full of... Uh busy work basically i've uh, to be fair i've actually been playing uh replaying horizon zero dawn uh in preparation for a forbidden west coming out next month and the map is quite big in that and that map is smaller compared to i believe it's smaller than far cry 6 and all those games and i've just been going around like after i finish work i'll just be going around just like 
you know, getting collectibles or just doing the odd thing, just to just to let my mind go and everything. So I do enjoy that sometimes, just like exploring the world and just doing just let my mind drift off and everything. But yeah, that was my. Uh, I actually really enjoy. It. I do recommend it. Maybe you know when it's on sale and everything. But I do recommend it. And my final one. Now this is why I was on about re-releases earlier, because my final one, I mentioned, is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Now, yes, exactly. Uh, not going to go into this game as much because if you've if you've played it, you know. If you haven't played it, go 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 down go, 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 play it. And uh, yeah, it's just a just an amazing trilogy. Um, and people say two is better than three, but I actually don't agree with them. I, I I think two really took it to a new level. Like the you know you don't know how many people are going to come back from this, and ha- you have to actually prepare yourself for you know where the game's going. You actually do have to build your ship up. You have to build your characters up. You know, s- bad stuff could happen later on. And how the narrative carries over, I think, is brilliant all the way to the third game. I found, I think, two, one of the things that affects this, I think two is so much more replayable than three. Because like, I played through Mass Effect 2 about, like, I played it through five times, like um, trying different ways, doing different ways of it. One time was just a speed run where I was as ugly as possible and everybody died. It was great. Um, but three, I played through it and the end felt so, I felt very done. I think I think it's I think it's because of like it felt like uh, I expected more consequence. I expected more payoff for what I do, and actually, like um, and so I felt oh well, I'm done. So I only played through Mass Effect three one time. I didn't even get the Citadel DLC. I felt very done. No, I get that, and I think like I only really replayed Mass Effect for the first time in about. Well, actually, probably since the first one came out, just to see how it changed and go, to be fair, replaying one, like it's remastered, but the combat mechanics weren't updated to two or three, so you felt how different it was to how how they changed it to two and three, and it was it was just like water and oil, which is completely different, essentially. I hope you like emptying out your inventory after every battle. <laughs> yeah, just it was. <laughs> It it was one and yeah I definitely agree with the consequences of free at but getting up to the end of free was brilliant I thought the narrative in free was brilliant and all the repercussions I actually you know even though I knew the stuff I did tear I did tear up a couple of points again even though I knew it was going to happen I just thought it was really good and the fact I know we're getting a direct sequel now well it's hinted at in the trailers and supposedly there are there's supposedly five hints in the poster they put out recently and I didn't even realize the poster they put out is in the shape of a geth. I didn't even realize that until, you know, the design, which I thought was really interesting, took me a month and a half later to actually look at it. And I am supposed to be an artist in air quotes. And I didn't even fucking realize that. So shame on me. Um, but yeah, that is uh, that is my third honorable mention. So that is uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So everyone's honorable mentions out of the way. It's time to get to our top five. So I'm going to start with James again. Do you want to give us your number five for 2021 you played? Yeah, so number five, I went for a game called Griftlands. It's uh, it's basically a, it's basically a card game with a little bit of a narrative, three different um, stories essentially. So three different characters you play with, all with slightly different um, mechanics to the card game, and there's a little bit there's a little bit of story in in each of them as well. You can make different choices, and it also impacts like um, how the card games play out. So you can get like bonuses from First people which you who you befriend, and you get like negatives that affect the card battles um, if you make enemies with certain people. Um, so it's got quite a lot of replayability. It's uh, and um, 
yeah, I thought it was a nice little little card game. If you like card game for narrative, but narrative, it's uh, I'd, I'd recommend it. Awesome, excellent. That sounds uh, sounds pretty interesting. Uh, different. I I definitely have a game with uh, different narratives. Uh, that that sounds pretty awesome, man. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, so Dirk, what is uh, your top? What is your top five? Okay, so I think most of my top five are actually going to seem more normal than you expect, except this one. Um, this is so. This is quite simply. It's a game called Cryptic Crossword, and uh, it is the mobile game that I just keep going back to whenever I'm waiting for something else. Like it's just a huge compendium of cryptic crosswords. Like I said, I really like puzzles, and um, uh, I can't ignore the fact that of the games I've played this year, there is a good chance that this uh, this mobile game has the hours on it, like um, more than any other, and. Uh, yeah it's um it's yeah it's really nice it's a satisfying thing it's great to just like and i'm waiting for something for 15 minutes and it can just cool it just eats that 15 minutes and uh i get the satisfaction of doing another puzzle so that's mine cryptic crossword it's um uh made by a small very small company called uh, teasel limited so with a crypto crossword it's like do you have to solve puzzles to get to to work on the crossword or like Okay, so a, a cryptic crossword, you see them in a lot of newspapers. It's where um, rather than just being a crossword with, a, like, it's the clue is a description of the thing, the clue is a word puzzle. Um, so it, like, um, it would be something like um, uh, Archer burg um, Burglar in Cowl or something, and the, the answer is Robin Hood. Um, and the thing's going on, one, he's an archer, and then it's burgle in cowl or rob in hood. So it's a it's just a word puzzle of the thing. But, sure uh, they, they get they get really fiendish and really difficult and I find them really satisfying. That sounds like that would go right over my head, that one. I'm pretty sure <laughs> one of my uh, old teachers used to uh, create cryptic crosswords for a newspaper. Um, well, that's whole... hardcore. We pretty much went for a whole le- was pretty, pretty much a whole lesson while he was just teaching us how to how to do cryptic crosswords. Awesome. Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Chaz, uh, so what is your, your number five pick? Okay, um, so number five, um, I'm surprised actually it's more AAA than you guys, uh, is Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Um, so I played uh, the first three when I was younger and I really liked them, but the pretty much every Crash game they made after that was like, well, main series anyway, uh, just, they just kind of went off course and they got a bit weird. Crash 4, it's not the same company. It's made by Toys for Bob, I believe. Um, you know, it's it feels very much like next-gen Crash. Um, pays homage to the originals really well. Gameplay is really smooth. The animation is so full of character and really, really fun to look at. Um, yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. Um, and uh, for for me as a, as a kind of, I suppose, casual, uh, you know, AAA uh, player it was fine um i have heard though that for completionists it's absolutely infuriating apparently because you have to replay the levels six seven eight nine times sometimes to get all the collectibles but um yeah i enjoyed it i could i yeah i i i can't be a, i know i have plenty of friends who are platinum tra- you know trophy hunters and everything and I just can't do it. Once I've done it once, I'm like, okay, on to the next thing. I guess that what allows me to actually go on to the next big game to actually complete that one. But yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Right, uh, Jordan, how about yourself, man? Uh, 
So I don't have a top five. I have a top two. And the reason for that will become very apparent later on. So uh, if it comes up sooner in conversation, I'll let you know. Well, people, side uh, throws with a curveball there. We're gonna we're gonna roll with it. We're gonna roll with the people. And uh, but the thing is though, you know, this is video games. Next week we'll be delving into a different subject, so maybe that'll change next week. Uh, so yeah, my number five is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. So uh, I only finally played the Ratchet and Clank games in the last couple of years. Uh, they did the remake on the PlayStation Four uh, for the original one. I never played any of the games when I was younger. Never played Spyro. Never played like Crash Bandicoot. Never wasn't never really into them. And then in the last couple of years, I've just found a new appreciation for these for these titles, really. So I've obviously bought the uh, Spyro Reignited trilogy. Um, really enjoyed that. I think I only got up to two, though, so I need to go back. And I play Ratchet & Clank. And then I think it was when I saw the initial video for this and like just the transitioning between the different dimensions instantaneously, I thought, oh, that must be, like, you know, staged or whatnot. You know, it must be, like you know all that stuff but i played the game and i was just shocked like honestly hopping from one world to next instantaneously is there's there's no there's no cut it's just like press a button you just go like it's 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 there's these it's like race sections where you're like on the back of this really speedy slug snail type thing and you're just hopping through different dimensions really fast and everything just to get through them i think the cast is brilliant uh you know ratchet and clank there's another lombax this time a female lombax and she has her own uh, personal story as well as another character which i won't spoil um but sh uh, that character also in intersects with the new lombax which i thought was pretty interesting um and it's dealing with like uh dr nefarious is like going into another dimension and trying to take over the universe because that's the way those things go uh obviously other characters appear uh, that was actually a game i actually did go back and enjoy replaying so it's actually one of the rare games i didn't go back to play it for the trophies i just went back to like get all the uh, gun upgrades and everything and it, it was just it, it was so it's, it's so gorgeous as well like the lighting the animation yeah I remember seeing a, a video which was showcasing uh, games for the PS5, and uh, I remember just kind of, you know, because I'm not so into AAA games these days, so I remember thinking, uh, you know, yeah, that's all right, that's all right. And then it got to Ratchet and Clank, and I remember thinking, that genuinely shows off the power and the, the capacity of, of this new console. I think that, to me, stood out as the best example on, on that list of games, at least, that I watched. I mean, yeah, and it's it's insane because obviously it was made by Insomniac Games, and Insomniac have just been ridiculously pumping out these titles and like all amazing titles. Like, so they had Spider Man, um, After Sunset Overdrive. So obviously Insomniac is known for Spyro series, which I kind of never played, but now I have uh, the Resistance, the Resistance video games, which I totally forgot on the PlayStation Two and Three era. I believe it was PlayStation Two, uh, the World War Two Alien games, uh, Sunset Overdrive um which i actually need we need to go back to to play and yeah uh, spider-man series so they released spider-man then they did miles morales on ps4 then ps5 re-released then they remastered spider-man as well and made it look so much better and then they did this and now they're doing like obviously spider-man 2 and they shocked everyone by announcing they're doing wolverine which is which I don't I, I don't know if it's fully confirmed. I have to double check, but it's basically it's set in the same universe as the Spider-Man game, so that actually created this interconnected universe. And it was only like a fifty-second trailer, but people lost their shit because they did not expect. Oh, maybe it's a, like a different type of Spider-Man game or LinkedIn. So Wolverine was not, and supposedly they're hiring people and 
people think there might be dismemberment in it, but we don't know, but it might be amazing. But yeah, that company is just like the top tier developer, one of the top tier developers for me at the moment. I can't wait to see what they do next and how to improve Spider-Man because that, that was chef's kiss really uh but yeah that was uh ratchet and clank was my number five so yeah that's cool james do you want to take us to your number four so bill Kerbal, before the number four can i mention my honorable mention which i've just remembered i do have an honorable mention i'm gonna mention uh siege survival gloria victus as my honorable mention um so it's basically it's a look, think of it like uh, last, like um, this war on us set in, um, in in a siege. Uh, you're a basically a civilian inside a siege, trying to trying to survive. You're scouting supplies from the uh, city during the night, um, like uh, and making arrows and weaponry in the day, uh, and giving them to the soldiers to try and uh, beat back the attackers. Um, until reinforcements can arrive, um, I've enjoyed what I played with it, but and I love the concept, but I never really played enough of it to justify me putting my top five. But because I love the concept so much, um, I will uh, chuck it in as an honorable mention. Now I'll stop devoting this and back to my number four. Uh, my number four is Inscription. So what I'm going to say is it's a Daniel Mullins game. Um, if you haven't played any of his games, play this one first. It's another. It's it's another card game. Um, it is it's it's a good card game, but there's a. I don't want to give too much away. There's a bit of a story to the game, um, and there's a lot of unexpected elements to it, and it can go. It goes in some um, wild and interesting directions. I. I'm looking forward to playing Inscription. It's on my list because uh, I played uh, one of his previous games, Pony Island, oh, and um, yeah, there's a uh, there's there's not much like it. That was I, a ride. I want to play both of those. I've heard some cool things about Pony Island, and uh, also yeah, same thing about Inscription. Um, they're definitely both um, got my attention because I I like the kind of games where they throw unexpected things at you. Mm. Um, you know, and if they can break the fourth wall, that's usually pretty awesome as well. So, yeah, and I've been I've, I've played the hex at the moment actually, which is another uh, Daniel Mines game. So um, once you finish Inscription, then Pony Island, give uh, the hex a go. It's uh, it's pretty decent so far. And they're they're both only um, a few hours long, right? Or at least I know Pony Island is very short. Yeah, I think Inscription is a lot longer than both those games. Inscription is much much meatier. Um, okay. well, it depends how bad you are at car games so uh, but uh, it's good now uh, I've actually been listening to a few of the podcasts and like reviews and it has actually been at the top of a lot of people's list inscription has like it's ridiculous and how this game like it's, it's just jumped above so many other titles to be like people's number one or like just trying to get in there and everything but, but yeah in, so that is James's uh, number four inscription as well as his honourable mention as well. So, uh, Doug, uh, do you want to hop? Let's hop onto your number four. Okay, so my number four is from the indie bracket of stuff. Uh, this is Spiritfarer, and um, this uh, it's a brilliantly made game. It's so full of so full of depth and character. But um, yeah, this is um, this is one of what I would class as um, sad indie games. Like uh, this, um, it's a uh, 
for anyone that doesn't know, uh, the premise is um, it's presented in a very cartoony, quite Ghibli-esque way. There's a lot of Ghibli influence with the kind of um, animalistic spirits um, and the kind of friendliness and the obsession with food. Um, but the... it's also ridiculously beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like, the style yeah, is so nice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the um, but it's it's all it is all about death. Um, so it's you're effectively um. You effectively take over from the ferryman at the beginning, and you're this um, young and a young girl called Stella, and she has a little cat Daffodil, and the pair of you are, I know, looking after spirits um, with unfinished business on your big old fantasy like a uh, hotel boat, um, like feeding them, helping them find the kind of closure to their stories, and then uh, and then taking them away, um, and it can be. It explores a lot of very powerful, very authentic um, responses to death um, and realities of when what what's going on when people die, um, and some of it's very very impactful. Um, this might sound strange, but I haven't actually finished it because um, while it's close, it does get a bit grindy as it goes on, and so there's a lot of just having to do, late enough in the game, you're kind of just doing a lot of the same things over and over again. And while I wanted to get to the end of the story, so it's a bit of a drudge. But um, but for the time I was playing it, it's so brilliantly made and so impactful, so well written and built. So that's my number four, Spiritfarer. Nice. Yeah, I've actually seen a few uh, few friends. Actually, I think I saw you playing it at one point. You may have streamed it at one point and got a couple of pairs who streamed that. It does look a gorgeous game, and I think I've I've actually just been trying to find games that keep me in a happy mood. Or you know, in somewhat happy mood. So I've I've heard like certain types of games that was probably not one of them to maybe not do as much. But I think it's something I'll definitely be revisiting uh, later in the year. So maybe it's maybe one of those games we revisit later on in another episode as uh, another re-review of it. Say it's a game that's ninety-five percent of the time it's really uplifting, and the other five percent it is maximum void. So um. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't need those dips right now. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, Chance, how about yourself, man? Uh, what's your number four? Okay. Um, another perhaps surprising one for me, at least. Um, new Pokemon Snap. Uh, I uh. really loved the original. Um, I was massively into Pokemon when I was younger, um, but I never owned the original. Uh, so I played it at you know friends and family's house sometimes, and then. Uh, I I got a copy many years later, played it again, and it's it's a very short game. Um, so you know there was years that we were waiting for a sequel, a long long time, and uh, new Pokemon Snap. I think it it delivers really well on on that promise. Um, you know it's it it's a good sequel. Um, the new one expands on it. You know the original premise a lot. It looks really good and. Uh, seeing the the different pokemon in kind of like a wildlife setting um is something quite different you don't really see that a lot with modern games that are coming out um apart from perhaps uh what's that new title that's coming out pokemon okay arcanus yeah yeah pokemon infinite i think it's called uh i think i think it's pokemon it's is that one about the first pokemon trainer uh no it's the one with the free roaming pokemon yeah, 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 yeah. First, yeah. First Pokemon trainer, I think, or something like that. Yeah, more like Pokeballs. But yeah, what, my point I'm trying to make is uh, a lot of the mainstream games that uh, came out in Pokemon were very 
you know, they're quite similar. So Pokemon Snap just did something, you know. It, just it was... to say, the new game is called Pokemon Legends Arceus. Or That's Arceus, it. That's it. Arceus, yes. Um, but yeah, they uh, they did some really interesting stuff with alternate routes, uh, different times of day, and uh, basically, I'm just really glad they finally made it. Honestly, yeah, I've I think after playing Breath of the Wild, I just went. I I just want get, I would just want a Pokemon game like this. Like I I loved the Pokemon games growing up. Um, you know I, I loved Pokemon Stadium. You know battling out in the stadiums on the Nintendo sixty four. You know something different. But playing Breath of the Wild, I was like, we need a open, a completely three D open world Pokemon game. And when they announced this, I was like, yes, this is the time. It looks very cool. I must admit, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah, um, definitely keeping an eye on it. Uh, is it, it must be out soon, I think, right? Uh, I think it's within the next month, actually, yeah. It's in the next few weeks, yeah. 28th, it's out. Two weeks, yes, I will be buying that myself. Yep, definitely keep an eye on reviews and see how that one looks. Yeah, I'll definitely be a get. I'll probably uh, buy a copy and probably review on here, actually. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll, uh, once I've done uh, Chaz, maybe I'll, uh, I'll lend it to you so you can play it. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, but that's uh, Chaz's number four. Uh, Pokemon Snap, new Pokemon Snap, new Pokemon Snap is is actually cool though. Is it just like just the new added on there? I'm just checking. I feel like they did actually call it new Pokemon <laughs> Snap. Uh, fair enough. But no, uh, yeah, honestly, I I I really enjoyed Pokemon when I Pokemon Snap. I actually remember weirdly I had a the first time I was introduced to Pokemon Snap. I was actually introduced to Dragon Ball Z the same day. It was a very oh, weird day. What a like, day! I know, like, it was the, in the middle of the Freezer saga, went around my friend's house, Cartoon Network on a Sunday, and he just had Pokemon Snap and Dragon Ball Z, and I was focusing on, you know, taking pictures of Pikachu at first, but then I was like, what is this green-haired man? <laughs> Good green, friend. Yellow, yellow-haired man. Why is that green? I should be ashamed of myself. Um, checked, it really is called New Pokemon Snap. <laughs> what a title. Very, uh, very, uh, very on, on point. Pokemon Snap to me sounds like some kind of apocalyptic event in a Pokemon kingdom where half Pokemon disappear. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. It's got a bit of a new context now, hasn't it, since yeah. Avengers? Pokemon Rapture. Um, no, but that 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 is uh, Chaz's number four. So we're gonna leapfrog over Jordan because he is uh, gonna hold out till number two. So I will go to my number four, which is Resident Evil Village. Uh, yeah. So this game. I was really shocked by it. I tr- I've played the recent titles. I tried to play like Resident Evil 7 a few years ago, but unfortunately someone broke the immersion for me, so I just didn't go back. And I thought the aspect of the first person turning the game first person was actually really intriguing from this point of view. Obviously, I think they've tried first person before uh, on, on, a, on a cruise ship uh, with the light gun back in the day on the PlayStation oh. 1. I, I I played that. That was Resident Evil Survivor. Um, it that wasn't was it. it wasn't a cruise ship, but it was an on rails uh, shooter game. It was a kind of um, I think it was kind of in in the world or a bit of a retail of Resident Evil Two. It was those monsters, yeah, which is interesting, which is good in its own way, but it was yeah. quite limited. Yeah, but uh, I thought the house aspect of someone was brilliant, and the the family was awesome and creepy and scared the shit out of me. And uh, going into eight, it's a different experience. It's not as it's not as scary well mostly as um uh seven it's more hornier a lot hornier <laughs> because i mean like come on you know they pretty much advertise that game with L- lady dimitrescu like on the on the forefront there like did you guys and... see 
one of the things they made as like an advertising ploy was that they made like a fucking ten foot long towel with her on yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's just like me. that's amazing. It's so good. I have loved what Lady Dimitrescu has been this year because it she's like a, the fact that she's a she's a fan service that's really confused half the market who like aren't in who aren't into and the Lady Dimitris kind of character. So wait, who's into this? And then you've got the rest of the internet who like who just can't stop demanding that she step on them. Didn't she win a, a Steam Award very recently? For uh, she won the uh, she won the uh, game the award. Performer. The voice the voice actress. Yeah, she won the game award for it. And it was it was just amazing in itself. To be honest, like that that game though, from what you've seen, is nothing compared to what's actually in the game. What 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 they mainly advertised was the first quarter of the game. Which is ridiculous, and I, I was shocked how long that game actually was. So the the, pre- the premise of the game is like you're sent to this like Middle Eastern village essentially, and you have like a central hub location where you can go off to different locations. You can break <laughs> See, off. I get. I guess it's technically Eastern Europe. I, I would say Eastern Europe. Mid- Middle East is a bit yeah, far. <laughs> yeah, Eastern Europe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's technically closer than like West Europe, I suppose. Uh, you know, it's 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 pretty east, I guess. Uh, is it set like Transylvania or some shit? Some something like, like that. Romania in general. I think I think yeah. The the, the name's quite a Romanian name, so I think that's kind of where they're pitching the game, yeah. Yeah, but no. Uh, so you you obviously you enter this village. You're playing you're playing again as Ethan Winters from Resident Evil Seven. It might be uh, worth mentioning, like spoilers, before before you go too far into it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to spoil anything at all. It's just a case of like, obviously, you play as Ethan Winters. That's actually from the main promotional material, so there's no spoilers there at all. Um, uh, I don't know if you care about stuff that's been in the trailers uh, or anything. I don't know if you're okay there. Uh, basically, uh, there's some an incident that happens with his wife. And he has to go to this uh, place to actually like see what's going on. And certain other character, Chris Redfield, turns up at some point. So he's hench as ever, punching boulders. Um, he doesn't punch boulders in this. I can say that. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's just the game itself is. It's more of an action-based game. That obviously there's like machine guns in it now and all this stuff. And there's werewolves and there's vampires and you know. And there's an entire section of that game which scared the living shit out of me. Like I, I was freaked out by the noises, the visual, like the sound effects scared the shit out. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos of this, but you see, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that, that section was just like you're in the dark, the sound effects playing, and if it sees you, it, it just, oh, yeah, it was just so tense. <laughs> and that's only like that's only like halfway through the game. Well, it depends on where you want to go, but that's halfway through the game for me. And I got to the end of the game, and I was. I've never really felt like that emotional like Resident Evil game, but I got to the end and I was like, this is actually a really good story. How they've how they've continued the story from seven to eight and you know, you trying to figure this stuff out and the ending is just so good and it's so emo- I actually quite I actually, you know, one of my friends was like, What are you going on about? I was in that I was like, Well for me, you know, I actually got quite emotional with it. I got quite tearful because it, you know, didn't make me relate to something I was feeling at the time when spoilers that go to the spoilers, but but the actual story itself, I just I just thought was brilliant, and I definitely recommend it. Like it's it's on I think it's on sale every now and then now. And what if you don't want to play semi, you just want to go straight into this? Uh, they do have like a like a revisit at the beginning, but then I just recommend watching a video on YouTube just to catch up and just going into this. But the mercenaries mode as well was actually quite good as well. It's quite difficult. 
but the different levels of villains as well is just ridiculous and yeah i highly recommend this game so yeah that's uh that's my number four i was gonna say um i've heard a lot of people kind of like referring to this game as like a revival of uh resi 4 and while i haven't played the game firsthand myself i can definitely see why they feel that way about it it looks very visually similar but obviously the stories are very different but i definitely think uh of the resident evil games that i've like i guess say let's played because i've just watched a lot of content from other people because i'm far too uh far too much of a wuss to get through some of these I kinds the of games same with seven and uh yeah like it, i it was one of the resident evil games i was like man i wish i actually had played this instead of uh you know just like wussing out of playing it but my housemate actually played that game um <laughs> he played that section you're talking about whilst hungover so he was like oh no doubly upset about <laughs> the situation he was presented with um so uh yeah i i, I i've never laughed so hard when he told me that you guys, you guys are making me want to check this out because uh, I enjoyed Seven. It is so good. Seven was uh, very immersive and just pretty cool. Uh, very, very disturbing. Um, maybe, maybe let's check out Eight. Yeah, no, I, I'm like they do bring, they do bring a merchant back this time, and he is, he is great. In what himself. a wonderful boy. <laughs> uh, I mean, hefty, I could, hefty boy. I could, he's called the Duke, and just like. When you go near him, or if you're if you're like near, you're like, where's the Duke? You just hear it sounds like, mm. like he just makes these like <laughs> low in winters. Wow. Yes, if winters welcome back, you know a bit. It's like it's raw again, but he is how he gets around in that carriage, or how he how he gets this stuff. I I'd, I'd like to know. Actually, you almost might not want to know. Like I don't. I'm not sure I want to know. I mean, there's there's a lot of like physical impracticalities in this game like you know a guy in his carriage is like the lowest on the list of how things work in resident that's true yeah no and they do actually there's actually some interesting things without going to spoil that much they do actually answer some questions which people were querying about about like the main characters and like how stuff works there which is actually really interesting i think jordan may know what i'm going on about there um like specific characters are how they how they work but they are doing uh dlc for it so the dlcs for the other ones were actually really good they actually did two in the end end of zoe and another one i believe uh but i and this is how chris was introduced in the dlc so i'm actually very intrigued how they're gonna do it oh actually was it the end of the dlc i apologize it might not have been uh because i just played it in one uh but yeah, when the DLC comes out, I'm looking forward to when that gets announced, and I'm de- I will definitely be playing it. So yeah, that's uh, that's my number four, and I definitely recommend checking out. And I think it's only about twelve hours, ten, twelve hours in total. If you oh, push good. it, yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not a long, long game, but it's a very dense game. Like and yeah, not not as in like y- y- if you're stupid, you know, you have to try and figure out. The- well, I was at times trying to figure out the puzzles because the puzzles are back, uh, and there are some very tricky enemies, and they're like very tricky later on, like almost i don't get angry at games sometimes but I was, yeah i was getting frustrated but when you figure it out you feel so satisfied when you've done it but yeah that's my that's my uh, number four i was just gonna add there as well like i think that was one of kind of the chief complaints about resi 8 was just how i guess inaccessible it can be at times because the entire game is like gray like they're in a really bleak kind of miserable winter setting in you know, middle of nowhere, and everything's like broken and fucked and whatever. 
And so it meant that a lot of people spent a lot of time just going around in circles because they were just like, why can't I find like the door I'm supposed to go to? Or why can't I find this random item on the floor? And it's because it all kind of blends in. <laughs> um, but I mean, a lot of the Resident Evil games are kind of like that. Um, with, I guess, the exception of like Resi 7, because it's like first person and it's in a house. So still pretty it's claustrophobic, and, and, and you can see it's you can follow a, some form of path. Whereas this is a bit more open world, and so you're kind of walking around. And it's like, oh, it didn't occur to me that I had to walk through this like thing that looks like a wall, but it's actually grass. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I um I actually had those issues quite a bit, too. and also been able to jump over stuff. Uh, can you jump over? I can't remember. It's been a few months now. But yeah, no, there was a couple of sections where I had to crawl under something. I didn't realize it was there. And that that may be one of the end points. Because like, obviously, you know, there are these people who go through and actually memorize maps so they can like speed run later on anything. And getting through that map can be quite tricky. When you get to the other sections in the game, there's one section in particular near the end that's similar to the initial section. But when you get to Dimitrescu Castle... Uh, near the beginning, there's not spoilers because you know that's pretty much what they advertise in the trailers. Uh, I loved that scene. I thought it was for visually stunning and everything, and it does look gorgeous. The game, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to where they go next. And they have said that I think they have confirmed this that the next one will, like the official nine, will be sort of like the end of the story essentially. So it is a three part story, which I think is really awesome because they don't do this in many Resident Evil games. They don't have like a free story for these characters and when you get to the end of eight you'll definitely be intrigued to how it goes from there and if they have an offshoot so yeah that's uh that's my number that's my number four on a side note shout out to yoshi chief he did a speed run of resident evil 8 um as part of a uh charity event a few months back over christmas so uh yeah well done to him and uh check him out if you can so we're gonna go on to our number threes now james do you want to give us our number three for you yeah, so my number three is a strategy game, uh, Humankind. It's so it's basically like a civilization style game, but with amplitudes kind of like um, mechanics from like uh, Endless Legend. So it's uh, it's pretty good. Cool. Uh, yeah, no, I've uh, definitely been meaning to check that game out. To be honest, definitely been meaning to check that out. It's definitely got um, a different take on. Uh culture uh and how you handle those in, in those type of games i played a lot of civ and i played some humankind and um just being able to kind of mold your your culture uh depending on what uh civilization you kind of want to follow through and then you can change it as you go along it's it's an interesting take uh i do need to put more time into it i think uh so yeah uh, got any more points james um but I, th- I think Chaz basically mentioned a lot of my key points. I mean, I really like I really like the combat system. Um, I think that's that really changes how it plays compared to Civ games. Now that's a good point. Yeah, the combat is pro- probably better actually. I think it's a lot better than the Civ games. I think that's a, I think that to me that's a strong point of humankind. Awesome, great, excellent. Thank you very much, James. That's that's uh, James's number three. Doug, let's hop it over to you for your number three. Okay, my number three. Um... This one, I think people can probably see coming. This one is Hades. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if it came out in 2021. That's when I played it. Deal with it. Like, uh, I think I did 100 runs in total. But um, it's like I'm a massive Supergiant Games fanboy. And uh, they didn't let down with this one either. It is, it's so much fun like uh, with the kind of 
the roguelike ongoing building thing, but the fact that they've worked a narrative into the fact that you die and keep going back. And it's just it's just so compelling. I'm always ready for another run. It's always going to be different. All the gods and different characters are really fun. Personally, something of I'm something of a Poseidon stan. He's my man. Yep. Um, yeah, he's the man. Um, uh, but it's yeah, it and um, it's brilliant writing. Um, artistically well delivered, plays really well. Um, yeah, very compelling. The um, like a. If and I could dare to criticize a couple of uh, accents, like, but because uh, they're they're all the English accents and some of them don't quite work for me. Like um, if I if I dare if I want to go into detail, like I I found a bit of a dissonance with uh, the main character Zagreus, who um he had a fairly well spoken and a English accent, but then kept dropping the word mate in. <laughs> and it, You're right. That does sound a bit odd now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it yeah it kind of. It doesn't. It's the wrong kind of English accent to drop the word "mate" in. Like normally, normally it's a, you know, more of a, more of a Cockney city regional accent, and you rarely pronounce the "t." It's like it's "mate." Like, I know, good on you, mate. You don't pronounce so, that, but <laughs> Doug, yeah. I, I can say it did come out. Well, it came out on some platforms on twenty in twenty twenty one, and I know this because it's also on my list. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we will be revisiting that later then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um yeah, I I think that's as much as I need to say on Hades. Fantastic game. Uh and uh forever looking forward to whatever Supergiant games do next. I'm absolutely astonished by what they do as a team. Awesome. Excellent. Well we'll probably have more of a little bit of a discussion that when we come when we come to it next. Uh so Chaz, do you want to give us your number three? Yes, and I suspect this one won't surprise anybody. It did come out in 2021. It's uh, World of Warcraft Classic, The Burning Crusade. So you guys know this, but um, I'm I'm a huge WoW fan. Um, however, uh, World of Warcraft is it's been out for 15 years now, or more so actually, and slowly the game has evolved in a direction that I'm not a fan of. Um, and you know. Private servers were always a thing um, to play, you know, what I would call my favorite version of the game, the older versions. And uh, years ago, uh, the biggest one got shut down and uh, I followed the saga. I won't go too much into it, but basically Blizzard shut it down and said, you know, and, and the player said, why don't you make us a server so we can actually play on it legit? Um, and it took years, but they did. And that was one of the, you know, one of my best uh, moments in gaming that they they rebought that out, um, and then obviously last year the Burning Crusade came out. It it improved on classic in most ways. There's some things that some fans would argue they made it worse, but pretty much universally loved. Um, and I have a really good gaming memory attached to this because in the week it came out, I took a week off and played it. Uh, I, I rushed to 70 with some friends. We played solidly like seven days in a row and we had a blast. So yeah, really good memories on that one. And uh, yeah, always grateful that that game is a thing that exists now. Awesome. Right. So my number three, Deathloop. So I don't know if we'll be talking about this later. Uh, okay, good to know then. Uh, very brief uh, talk right now. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, it was... I was... By the time this game came out, I thought it's in everything uh, because it was just there were so many trailers for it. There were so many advertisements, promotions for it. 
I was just like, can I can I just have the game come out now? Because I think I've seen everything. It turns out I was wrong. Uh, there was just so much more behind it. I just I just thought it was brilliant. We'll we'll probably we'll definitely get into uh, more of a discussion later on that. And uh, yeah, but that is my number three. So right, as my number three, we are going to hop over Jordan one more time to go to the number twos, which Jordan will join in on. And uh, but James, do you want to give us your number two? Yep. So my number two is a bit of a cheat, uh, but it was but since it came out in. Uh, December 2020 and most of my time playing is 2021 I'm counting it um, and that is Cyberpunk 2077 so, that is uh, also on my list <laughs> I'm guessing we might be talking about this later Shocker it's, uh, Will we be talking about it later Jordan? Uh, I mean we, we might as well talk about it now it, it, is, it is my number one pick but um, we, we can talk about it now talk about it for more detailed discussion when it comes to number one yeah Awesome. Well then, as you see people starting to hop into mixed games now with uh, more discussions going on later on, so that's pretty awesome. So Doug, do you want to give us your number two? Okay, so my number two, and this one is a VR title. And uh, I, I like this one, it did come out in uh, 2020, but it wasn't, I didn't have the ability to play it, I think pretty much until 2021, when I got everything set up with the Oculus Quest. Um, it's Half-Life Alex. And and um, it's uh, that I uh, I was always a large a huge fan of the Half Life series at the time, um, big support of the like the way Valve make games and the time the time and effort they put into their games the way they design them to be such intuitive satisfying experiences and was amazing to see after all these years they'd lost none of it like playing Half Life Alex was everything you did was just so satisfying or. The things you thought were your, like, huh, I wonder if the game would do this. Oh, wow, it does this. Oh, that's so cool. Just like even picking, like picking up stuff in the ground and think, hey, right. I think it was the one Um, you have a gun and you have a torch. Hey, uh, I wonder if I would do the, if I did the kind of the close uh, combat thing where you hold like the torch over the gun over your wrist and the torch in the other. And I, I just tried that because that'd be cool. And it locked in place to be perfectly zoomed. And they said, oh, it feels so good. But then there are times they tricked me with it as well. Like um, there are some, there's a couple of quite scary, extremely tense bits later in the game. And um, without giving anything away, there's a bit where I'm rooting through stuff. I open a cupboard door and a bottle has been, a glass bottle has been uh, pitched at the right thing. So it starts rolling out and you've got just like a, a second and a half to grab it before it falls on the ground and smashes. I grabbed it, but I just like, Cursing the developers is like, oh, you bastards, you got it. <laughs> but it is, it, it was just like that from start to finish. I was so impressed. Um, and it is, yeah, I could see why everyone that's playing VR that has played that game won't stop talking about it. So worth it. And that's my number two, Half Life Alex. I, um, I've been, I got an Oculus, uh, last year as well. And the games I've played are like Vader Immortal, which I played for about 40 minutes in the middle of summer, which was a bad idea because I felt like I couldn't breathe afterwards and I'd sweat buckets. Though holding a lightsaber in that game is brilliant. Uh, also Resident Evil 4, I actually bought in VR. Um, the, the free movement on, so there's obviously like a location, transport, teleporting as free movement. I think I'm gonna may have to buy sick bands for myself because it was a bit nauseous, like moving and moving my head around at the same time and the free camera. I was the same with Half Life Alex, unfortunately. 
walking around while not actually walking was really messed with my head. I think I need to use the, the teleport uh, function more. Yeah, and uh, Half-Life Alex is definitely on the top of my list throughout Oculus. Um... VR is getting really exciting. I'm actually just looking forward to like when people start getting into making really boring VR games that are just about chilling out and being somewhere else. It's, I, I don't know if that's the, the pandemic setting in, but that's like a, that was really nice. And sometimes in 2021, like VR poker stars was so good to just like sit, feel like you're somewhere with a few people and just like chilling out in a chair. I mean, was, do like, they that have, was nice. Do they have the cinema thing yet? Because I, I know you can watch cinema films, but there are multiple VR cinema apps. Um, I think Big Screen was the one that um, I had a look at with a friend of mine. And it's cool. You can choose different locations to sit in. Like so, like we can be sat in a alpine forest, watching on a big screen, throwing tomatoes at each other. It's good biz. Can you talk good to stuff. each other? For, like, can you turn to each other and talk to each other? And yeah, it's like being sat on the same bench. It's awesome. See, that's what we need. That's what we yeah. need. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, excellent. Thank you very much, Doug. Right, Chaz, what is your number two, man? Cool. Uh, yeah. So my number two is Halo Infinite. Um, so bit of background i uh, used to be a massive halo fan uh played a bunch online up until halo reach i tried four was pretty disappointed with that didn't even bother with five and yeah we will come back to that actually what's that halo infinite yeah we will be coming back to it soon oh, okay uh all right i'll just finish my current train of thought then um yeah and uh, obviously halo infinite uh, i didn't pay too much attention to it because i just lost a little bit of faith in 343 um but uh yeah the multiplayer was free i thought i'll give it a go and the gameplay just like grabbed me instantly it felt like felt like old you know old multiplayer halo it was great but you know more refined for modern day so yeah halo infinite number two for me i feel like one of the only people that actually liked halo 4 like i think i i, I think i like sad and more miserable games so like uh so that one that one works for me but uh that but for people that actually like halo halo it's like it broke a lot of rules and did things differently. So yeah, yeah. Boring, but I, I liked don't, it. I don't know how. I don't know how much this stands up to it now. But I remember at the time people were saying that they kind of codified it because COD was very big, and they kind of took a lot of the gameplay from it. And it just wasn't. It wasn't quite Halo gameplay for me, um, personally. That's why I bounced off. I'll be honest with you. I did enjoy Four. I actually did quite enjoy Halo Four. Uh, Halo Three, I still think is like. No, I actually do prefer free to all the others because I think so. the free is a great one. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, it gave us that um, intro trailer, which I thought was uh, pretty awesome at the time. Like the shield grenade, like coming down, and I thought it was, I thought it was amazing back in the day. There was such hype around Halo Three, such hype. It was so good. And the problem was, I think Halo Five tried to do the same hype, and it just didn't work as much. I liked they brought characters back though. Like I, I like the fact they brought uh, Nathan Fillion back. Uh, from ODST and everything, and I mean, one of my favorite Halo games is Reach. Uh, yep. I know it's, uh, yeah, people uh, people don't like that game as much. I, I love Reach. Reach for me, great story, and the multiplayer was really really fun. I spent the most time on multiplayer for Halo, uh, Halo yep. Reach. Sorry, no, I played Halo Reach, but I did read a book. Um, which is really good. <laughs> the the ending to that game as well, like the post credits ending. Like I thought, it was just brilliant for a game. I, you know, it was, it was it was my first experience of a type of uh, mode that came later. I won't spoil it. I know it's been out for a while, but people might eventually want to play it. Um, but if you know Halo Reach's timeline, you know pretty much know how it ends anyway. Um, 
But I yeah, I really enjoyed Halo Four. Um, and yeah, that's awesome. So, thank you very much, Chaz. Right. So, Jordan, do you want to give us your number two? So, uh, I have a feeling I know what's going to happen here, but uh, my number two game of 2021 was Valheim. And uh, <laughs> I can see Doug's little face uh, yeah. nodding in, in solid agreement of uh, being high on the list. It was an absolutely uh, wonderful way to spend most of my free time just building my villages and going on epic quests with Doug and various other folks who were online at the time and it was just you know it, it was it was very immersive um i didn't think i would like it at first but um i got it because uh i think a few people had kind of basically said to me like you know it's an amazing game you should play it you should play it you should play it you should fucking play it and i was like fine okay i'll get it you know it's like 15 pounds let's just fucking get into it and uh yeah no it was uh the best 15 pounds ever spent like there's so much going into it and i love how dedicated the developers are into making it like not only just like a, a an absolutely wonderful experience for the fans but you can tell that they have so much love for everything that goes into literally every single piece of information and and art assets throughout the whole game uh so i i really feel like even though i've not played it as much as some people but like yeah, the, it, 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 I feel like I'm part of a community that I've been playing Valheim. But it is sadly not my top pick, despite it being my most played game of the year. It is mine, as you guessed correctly. So uh, I'll, I'll say I'll say a few things about it as well when we come around to my number one. Well, I guess we know Doug's number one, so we will go back to that shortly. <laughs> <laughs> so my number two, I'm actually linking up with Chaz here. Uh, mine is Halo Infinite also. Oh, nice, man. Yeah, my, my number two game of uh, this year is Halo Infinite. I thought I had my reservations. Um, I was when they mentioned the fact that they're creating this 10 year plan for Halo. And, uh, but the fact it'll be a continuing story, I'm wondering how it was going to go. Obviously, last year they postponed it by a year. Uh, so I think that definitely helped it. Um, I think the the narrative I thought was great. Like, uh, I'm correct, Chaz, you still need to play the campaign, right? yeah it's just the multiplayer it's absolutely like sucked me in i just yeah i was playing it literally yesterday for hours <laughs> yeah no i see i am um, and you you played it differently to me because i i bought the battle pass so i'm actually trying to like you know get the unlockables and yeah i do have that. the battle pass now actually um so i've unlocked a few things i definitely think they've uh I, i'm gonna give free for free credit here like they took on the the, the like the critiques and everything like the um yeah and adjusting extremely quickly and how they did that and improved the battle pass system for the for like the uh the challenges and actually unlocking stuff was really good like really really good and they're still taking um you know people's uh advice on board and, and trying to make improvements i thought it was great the campaign itself um I've, I've really enjoyed it. i love the fact it's open world um you know i i thought i'm the one just the one uh not disappointment the one i wish they had more of was variety in the actual landscape design like it's, it's like they took the um they took the initial section of halo one design um i can't remember the name of it um and silent cartographer is that it uh, sounds uh, right yeah that's um that's, like that's the open world level in the in the snow isn't it oh no no, uh, no, no. that's the uh, well, when we have to board the ship that's right oh, yes. okay okay so ba well basically so james you're gonna say 
Well, I've not, I've not played uh, Infinite, but sorry to got the first one. I know that from the first Halo. It's, I'm pretty sure it's the one where you start invading the beach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, basically, actually, this is more like, you know, it's just uh, grassy areas, really, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's like a Far Cry element to it, like uh, a Ubisoft element where you have to, like, uh, ba- banished bases to actually go up on, um, which I thought was great. Uh, actually, and there's different difficulty challenge levels. Uh, you had forward operating bases you unlock, and you have to go rescue soldiers across the map. Uh, your companion, who's like the pilot, is I thought it was a great addition to the game. Uh, the AI in the game, um, called Weapon. Uh, I won't go into more detail than that because there's spoilers to that, but I just thought the campaign was great. It took me about 12, 10, 12 hours to complete. Uh, also, you unlock multiplayer cosmetics in the campaign. So, yeah, she just go around, which I thought was a great addition. I thought, like, not a lot of games do that, and to actually have to, like, to actually give you the reason to actually go around and collect everything, that was one of those games where I actually did collect everything in the game. Uh, hunting down all the uh, enemies as well was brilliant. I've, I'm lo- really looking forward to where it's going next. I'm hoping, like, maybe E3 or whatever big gaming event's coming up. Obviously, we don't know, uh, but what what they might announce. I think with how with if it's a continuing story you can't wait yearly i think it'll be better to like at least tease something so even if it comes in like october november time we have that yes uh in regards to the game though i i definitely recommend the campaign really look forward to where it's going i thought uh master chief is actually really more human in this game like he portrays more emotion in my opinion even though you can't see it <laughs> um uh he, he, he emo- you know he you you feel like he feels like a he feels like a worn soldier now. He feels like someone who's just at the end. He he feels like he's at the end. He feels like this man who he's done so much and he he just wants to sit down and have a beer. Like he just wants to relax. And I'm looking forward to how this in, how this de- deviates from the TV show because obviously the TV show is going to be a different interpretation. They've said now. So the TV show is going to be called the Silver Timeline. So it's going to basically take Halo and do its own interpretation. So we'll have like high charity and stuff. I think that was in the trailer that they showed for the new show. But um, Oh no, they reset the timeline and now different things can happen. (laughs) Oh no, has Halo gotten to that point where we need to be doing alternative timelines? Oh dear. It it could be more the case of like, I think maybe they might want to show Master Chief's face. Like I think that might happen. Because I was, te- I mean, technically, it has he has been described with his helmet off in the comics. He just hasn't come off in the games. Like, you, I mean, you do see his eye in one of the trailers, but that's it. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you don't see his face. And I, I, to be honest with you, I'm unlike Judge Dredd and all those other characters. I don't, I don't think I'd care. Yeah, like, I was going to say, how exciting is a face, really? Like, unless he's like a lizard or something. But, I mean, that well, would so be the biggest you... part to us. I have to say, at, like, at the end of Halo 4, if you complete it on Legendary, you get a quick glimpse of like the top half of his face. You don't really, like his eyes are kind of shadowed and stuff, but you you kind of see like another you kind of like see his nose and his brow and his eyes and that. So they do they like um they have shown at least the archetype of face he has, but you wouldn't rec- yeah. you wouldn't rec- you wouldn't recognize him in in the street. <laughs> No, and I mean the actor they've got playing him in the TV Apart from show. the fact that he's about seven foot tall, which might be a bit of a giveaway. Well, that's the thing. Like uh, the actor in the TV show is he's really tall himself. His name's Pablo Schreiber. Uh, you may know him from like, I don't know if he's in American Gods, uh, the TV show. Uh, he plays the Irishman in that. He's uh, he's also in um, 
Orange is the New Black as uh, the act, the, the character porn stash in that as the guard. But he he's a great actor and he's playing Master Chief. And I saw no the trailer. Way. Yep. No way. That, oh, that's just, that's weird. <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, though, if you look at him in the American Gods TV show as the, the leprechaun, uh, he's he's built and he's huge. Right. It's just because I only know him from that role in Orange is New Black. And that's just, that's a completely different character. <laughs> But the aesthetic of the show looks, you know, I'm intri- I'm intrigued with how it goes. I'm I'm wondering if maybe when the show comes out, that's when they'll announce more stuff for the game. Like they'll try and link it up essentially. But yeah, that's that's my that's my number two. I don't know if you have anything else to say, Chaz, on on that. Uh, just that uh, I wasn't expecting much because I was disappointed. They released it for free. I thought I'll give it a go, and then I was just instantly suckered in. Um, and then they fixed the issues with, you know. Well, they made it better the issues with grinding in the battle pass uh more game modes and yeah i've just been absolutely stuck on it for the last few days the gameplay feels halo but it also feels evolved it's very satisfying to play i've just been really enjoying it so i just had to not nice chess if it feels evolved fair well done there <laughs> uh i will say like people if uh you haven't played it yet and you've got a game pass just get it now like just go and play it now like you know as, as Chaz said the multiplayer is free if you've got game pass the campaign is on game pass straight away just go play it now and i highly recommend it so yeah that is um that is my number two right people we are coming on to our number ones now we already know someone's number one so we'll get to that in a moment but uh yeah james do you want to give us your number one game that you played in 2021 yeah, well, we actually already know what my number one is, because we did mention it earlier. Deathloop. Um, which, a game, game by Arcane. So I didn't follow the trailers for this at all. I went in not knowing very much, apart from the fact that it's an Arcane game. And to me, Arcane are the modern equivalent to someone like Looking Glass. Uh, they make really good immersive sims. Um where you can basically, most of the games you can, uh, or most of the sims, where you can play in different ways and you can, um, you can find different paths to your objective. And Deathloop is exemplary um, in that. I felt that each level was very well crafted. You can find a, a ton of routes and a ton of different things to do. Now, Deathloop is one of these, um, was a lot of these games this year, actually. Well, it was, it was, Deathloop was a game where, uh, it's all centred around the film of Groundhog Day's principle of time resetting. And, and, and essentially, it also plays a bit of a puzzle game as well, so that each, each day you're trying to um, explore more of the island in different ways and to, to put this uh, puzzle together and find different things, different ways. And I just thought it was, I just thought it was like a really inventive like, um, first-person shooter. Um, and, and I thought it was really well crafted. Now, I do have a criticism of Deathloop, and I think it suffers from, I think it suffers from a similar problem to uh, Mass Effect 3. I knew, exa- I, I knew you were going to say this right away. I was going to yeah. actually get to this when I was going to talk about it in a minute myself. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll carry on with that. The ending is a touch disappointing, but if we forget about that, the rest of it, I think, is um, a very original um, first-person shooter, and with uh, with with puzzle elements. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, going backwards, I'll come to what you said in a moment. Uh, the the puzzle elements in the game is rid- ridiculously good. Like trying to figure out like like 
you you have four segments in the game. You have uh, morning. Uh, you basically you have four times a day, uh, and the game gets weirdly more interesting as the day goes by. And then uh, you don't keep your weapons mainly unless you sort of fuse them to your body. Um, only a certain amount can be fused and to, to go into the next day. So you do lose everything else. So it is roguelike to a degree, but you do actually always you do always gain more skills. You do always gain more weapons. You do always upgrade. Um, I loved the puzzle element of like you have to kill all these characters in a day. That is the that is the premise of the game. Yeah, it's in the trailers. You have to kill them all in a day, but certain parts of the day you can't kill them so you have to figure out how like if you go to this person in the morning can i get this person in the morning to go to this person in the afternoon so i can kill them both there and trying to get figure that out if you go to the evening there's a, like a warehouse that's blown up you have to go earlier in the day to figure out well how why did that happen you know can i stop that from happening to get this person to go here and it's how how this narrative plays out and during that game or also you didn't mention James, but the voice acting in this game is brilliant. Oh yes, I agree with you, especially from the especially from the protagonist and Cole, um, yeah. and, and Juliana. I thought that I thought the um thought their acting together was exemplary. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's I've at least in the last decade the 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 the, the acting alone in that is brilliant. I've also like in some games you get like a lot of repeating dialogue. I maybe heard a couple of lines repeated in the game, but. The lines extremely rarely repeat in the game. Like it's a continuing thing, even after you when you die and you go back and whatnot. That's an, that's an impressive feat in a game where the whole scene is repeat, where technically the whole thing is repeating, and yet somehow the dialogue doesn't get repetitive. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah, because I think the narrative actually pulls you into the fact that you are repeating the day, and she's actually taking the piss out of you, and how the day's repeating, and how you know, uh, and how that plays out. And just also, there's there's an interesting mechanic on the the game. I don't know if, uh, on the it's on the PC version as well, but uh, if you enable a mode in the game, someone else who uh, who's an actual player can invade your game, and they can be disguised as Juliana, and as and as someone else to come and hunt you down in your own game. Now I turn that off because I would I I would be extremely frustrated if that happened. Yeah, I don't need but, that uh, kind of stress. Yeah, but the oh, fact I, that. I yeah, did, did you did you actually play as Juliana and go into someone else's game and kill them? I tried, I, I tried a few times and died horribly every time. But um, then I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not massively great at uh, first person shooters, and I, and I don't really like the idea of someone. Um, I don't like the idea of killing them once or twice. But you have three lives in. Um, so if you're playing as cult, you have three lives at each level. Um, and if Juliana kills you three times, then you are reset back to the start of the game, the start of the day. I think that only happened to me once. And um, but I, I, I see, I didn't bother me too much because you kind of feel. I mean, you see, it as, it's, it's a challenge. It sees you as a challenge, and also it's um, it kind of adds to the terror. The NPCs are quite have become quite easy to defeat and 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 deal with. Um, visuals can be a little bit tougher, but again, once you know what you're doing, again, they don't become too difficult. Uh, bar one or two, depending on the time day. But so for me, the real challenge was when another player invaded as Juliana, and it was it was kind of like a welcome challenge. It was was like oh fuck fuck fuck, especially especially if it's in the middle of your run through. Um, but also, it can be incredibly entertaining as a result. It's, it's, it's this cat and mouse, which you know is, um, which you both need to survive. 
so it's a uh, yeah i am curious to play death loop like it's and the more and more i hear about it it feels like it's worth a go I definitely like to hear what you think, Doug, because I think the UI is one uh, one of the only like I think the UI could be improved a little bit, to be honest. And I think I actually mentioned this to you before. Actually, I've heard it criticised for the accessibility side, which it has made me cautious. Like, um, I don't want to spend money on a game that and it just frustrates me because I can't get I can't get to the information. So, um, but I'm still probably going to wish list it or. You can get from, you can get about twelve fifteen quid now, so it's actually really cheap now. Um, I believe so. Uh, I think another part of the game that I really enjoy is the um, when you actually figure out the, like you figured out the puzzle for one part, it actually plays an entire two D animation of running through mm. that of how to actually do it. Like it's like an old like eighty style cartoon animation. Like oh, we've got to go here. I've got to go do this, and maybe I could do this. And oh, cool. Like yeah, and but yeah, like a little he- like a little heist plan kind of thing. Exactly, like it's like a oh, notion. Sick. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Like, and cool. it's stylized. It's it's awesome. So yeah, that's uh, Sound, as sounds James, good. As James is my n- number one, and was my number two. So Doug, let's take it over to your number one. Yeah. So mine, as discussed earlier, is mine is Valheim, and uh, yeah, Jordan and I have had many adventures, and uh, this year gone by, um, uh, it's been like Val during lockdown. Valheim was just such a nice place to be. Like, cause um, among other things, like there's lots of fun things to do. Like um, like uh, the like the building is fun, and uh, the combat is quite cool. Like, and uh, the boss fights are quite cool and uh, are fun. Um, I like I like digging caves, much to Jordan's frustration. And I don't know why for some reason I like just like caves. The game isn't built to big caves, but I like caves. Cause they, it will be soon. They're releasing an update that includes mountain caves. Yeah, that's something I I'm so I'm kind of still excited. Like, I don't know how long I feel I should wait until Valheim's kind of ready to like just start again because I have I have started it from the beginning a few times with different people and it's really same yeah it's really satisfying because something about that is starting from the beginning especially with the other people that they don't if they don't know it all it's like you're playing a whole new story of the game because you build differently people fight differently people have different strategies for food you get lucky at different times and it's but it's just such a nice thing to do with it's just such a nice kind of co-op experience where you don't have to be the same kind of player to enjoy playing together. And that's what pulled me in the, in the first place was um, watching friends of mine play it on Discord and seeing some of them were off fighting a troll and uh, some, one of them was just building a tower and the other one's just tending to crops. It's just like, this is fantastic. Like this kind of asymmetrical co-op. That's fantastic. I, w- I want in. And then... um. The, and then went in like the the meadow music is like a, I have heard that I must have heard that same few tracks for hundreds like a like a maybe nearly a hundred hours or so now and I'm just not done with it I'm still not done listening it is just such as I say like it's a game where it's wonderful to play but it's just a nice place to be as well and uh, so yeah I I'm really excited to see how they keep growing it and what this experience kind of I know continues to evolve into because so far it has been absolutely astonishing more so from the fact of how small the dev team is and like five or six people bonkers but yeah yeah i was gonna say like um it's it's i think that's one of the nicest things about this game is the fact that it's not done yeah so like and because all the information that's coming out from like the patch notes and like the developer updates um, it just speaks volumes about how 
you know this game can keep going and going and going um i think there is like an end that they're thinking about planning i remember watching a like a short documentary they released about the early development of the game and they were like valheim will have an end <laughs> but given all the amount of content that they've they've kind of dreamed up and are sharing like drip fed to the fans um you know there there is potential for it to just you know keep expanding and expanding expanding and i think another nice thing that comes with this game is not just the amazing soundtrack but also like it's such a therapeutic cathartic experience yeah. like any shitty day you've had mm -hmm. can be easily resolved by just jumping on taking like your main character to a random world with just you know the fixings to make a fucking boat in your pocket mm -hmm. and then taking that boat to the nearest water sailing to a random area and just building a house on like a rock or yeah. something and just you know and see see how nice you can make it like that's one of the things i've sort of been doing recently just like up by myself just to get used to the to like exploring different worlds and and figuring out like how how not nice of an area can i fit a really nice house yeah um i built like when i was watching uh um don't look up the other day i was literally like building a house at the same time <laughs> and i built like a like a three-story house on this horrible rock that was like right next to a bunch of trolls and i was like how long can i get away with this before somebody shows up to ruin my life <laughs> but um yeah it's just absolutely absolutely fun game yeah uh well yeah they're, they're again that's that's my number one and uh yeah it's a game i loved it and i'm still excited about the future of that game which is a nice thing to be able to say so that's me and Valheim. awesome excellent thank you very much doug Chaz, let's go over to you for your number one game played in 2021 sure thing um and those paying attention will know what this is already it's hades um so yeah i, I went into hades wanting a kind of I guess an action RPG type thing. Um, you know, I'd heard some good things about it, and it just like after a few runs through the the the, the dungeon, it just absolutely sucked me in. Um, it's you can feel the polish in that game. It is so well made. The gameplay flow is just spectacular. Um, the art style, I just it's really I find it quite unique, and I really enjoy their take on you know on the mythology there and uh and something else that stands out to me is um the voice acting and i almost never pay too much attention to voice acting in games but like the quality of it in hades is so high that it stands out massively to me um often with games i will play for a bit and put them down and then not pick them up again hades i played right through to the end credits pretty much like you know in a, in a few solid days block um it was just yeah fantastic game uh i'm not surprised it's won as many awards as it has basically i want to say um actually uh, they're, they're a really good example of um a team that did early access really well like um they like they brought out good content stuff in the right way they listened to the players in the right way and uh by the time the by the time the full finished game was released it was just so balanced and polished yeah yeah uh, it really shines through the fact that you know they had such a, a um, long early access period and they had so much input from fans that they actually listened to um th there's so many moments while i was playing where i was just like have they thought about this 
and they had and i'm like that works that's awesome you know just those little things and especially with some games these days they're so massive they uh you know there's a lot of bugs or there's lots of oversights but hades was absolutely watertight as well as really really fucking fun yeah no uh i i think i mentioned this to you guys before i love the game thought it was amazing and as mentioned yeah um logan cunningham uh, voice actor actually didn't win the uh bafta video game award for the uh formula supporting role so that was definitely one of the, i didn't realize he did that many voices as well for the game uh but for me i loved the game i hated the uh difficulty i'll admit i actually put on the god mode which allowed me to actually make it easier for me <laughs> as but obviously with that game you have to continuously play and you get more resistance as you go through which i thought was an excellent mechanic that's actually something uh for a future podcast i want to talk about it's like do we it is it is it allowed to make video games easier for people to at least play without compromising the actual game itself? And yeah. I feel a spicy that, one. That would be a bit yeah, got some I've got some hot takes on that. Ooh. <laughs> I've got some really cold takes. Yeah, no uh, and uh I thought how they introduced like that mechanic like you have to still play the game the same way as everyone else. Just adding that it's a very small feature, allowing me to check it. Like my housemate, he he completed it twenty times. Really, he was like, "If you completed it, Nate," I'm like, "No, no, leave me alone, no." And I finally completed it. And he was like, "Oh, cool, I'm into my 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 thirty fortieth go now." I'm like, "Cool, I've done it once. Leave me alone." <laughs> like, you know, you have to play it ten times to get the true ending. I was like, "Oh, YouTube it." I don't yeah. care. <laughs> so, so for me, I, I completely understand where you're coming from with the difficulty, Nate. Um, I think I was just on the other side of that that turning point where I was getting a little frustrated, but I was like making like tiny little increments of progress, and the story had sucked me in by that point, and I'm just like. If I just keep going, you know, you know, kind of that addiction kicked in, and then finally I managed to get over that hill, and I didn't need to do the the easy mode, but uh, not easy mode. I don't know what it's, they call it's it. It's cool. It's called God mode. I want to. I want to say. I think it's God called mode. God mode. Yeah, um, but uh, I feel like that's almost part of the intended gameplay loop that that uh, you kind of get to a point where you either you you grind and you get stronger, or you become you know super good at the game and, and get through it that way but uh yeah it, it's probably a good example of of a, a way to make it more accessible to other players who still want to see the story because the story is good it's worth it's worth going through for yeah and like uh, and what captain's going to say is um it's really satisfying when you do complete it without using god mode without using cheats yeah um, i agree it's 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 it took me a while to I've done it about seven times. I've not got a true ending yet, so I need to go back to it to do that. But um, saying the first time, I was getting to the end boss quite quite a few times before, but I was always um, losing it at a certain point. Yep, exactly um, same here. Well, then I managed then I managed to do it uh, because I got the right combination of uh, boons and stuff, and you feel such a satisfaction by uh, finally doing it. Um, so I absolutely do recommend keeping playing that. But another thing I was going to say is, um, as you mentioned about Deathloop, uh, how the um, dialogue is um, really good and there's a lot of dialogue um, even when you're going through a day so many times. It's, it's the same with Hades. The dialogue changes according to um, events in the game in, into how far you've got, for instance. Yeah, um, or, I noticed that too. That really yeah. surprised me because I was playing for like, you know, 30 40 hours or something and then i'd still be hearing not only new bits of dialogue but new updates new bits of dialogue that are relevant to 
that point in the story that was mm. still developing at that point. So yeah, really impressive on that account too. Absolutely, I think it's the I think it's probably the best vogue like um, made to date. I'm not counting one of the, the best. I'm, I'm not counting definitely as primarily being a vogue like for FPS just to clarify. But uh, yeah. Oh, awesome! So that uh, Hades is Chaz number one. As I said, people. Uh, in future episodes, we will be having like topical discussions, and this is something I definitely want to get into in a later date, like games like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, and is there a way for people to make it more accessible for people to play without actually compromising how the game is actually uh, done, without, you know, making it more, you know, in- allowing for everyone, but not, you know, annoying people in the long run. So it's definitely interesting topic, as uh, as John has stated, very spicy a spicy topic to uh to get into there so right going back going that on that though jordan i'm sensing things are going to get a bit more technical now for you do you want to give us your number one game of 2021 so i mean it shouldn't be much of a surprise like the the game was like nominated for like so many narrative specific awards as well as uh winning steam's uh outstanding story award and obviously, it's uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I mean, I think I, I kind of followed the, the trailer aspects of it that came out throughout the years, showing off little bits and pieces now and then, and giving... I feel like we our kind of generation didn't necessarily grow up with Blade Runner, but was, like, ad, like loving the idea of it. And it fits so well with, like, where we are currently with... Uh, with technology and games and so when it finally came out uh i was just like immediately in love with it no matter, no matter even if it was like half the game that they promised it would be i was gonna love it um and it it, it just completely floored me with its uh with its story um it's so interesting like where they go with some of the side stories as well as the main plot um you get as much out of it as as you want, to be honest, because there you can just blast through the main story, but much like other um, CG Project Red games, it's like it's better to play the side stuff. But it depends on how easy you want to make the game, because you can play all the side stuff and then be like OP as hell, or you can just play the main story and then be able to, um, you know, blast through the content, uh, but with greater difficulty. Um, that said. I highly recommend like going through all the side missions because it does reveal more important aspects of um, some of the main characters' stories. So I guess um, just to kind of give a brief idea of what, what the game's about, you play as V, and he is what they call a net runner. Um, his kind of way about going things is hacking um, using uh, like developed technologies that are just like put inside you basically everyone's essentially an android um in the future and one of the missions that he goes on with a friend goes ridiculously wrong um and so a consequence of that is that at some point you then wake up in a garbage dump (laughs) and uh you're being basically dragged back to life by uh, a guy you don't know and some other people you don't know are trying to kill you. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And as it transpires, it is uh, Johnny Silverhand's uh, hologram, or what they call an engram in the game, 
who's basically woken you up to raise hell and is played by Keanu Reeves. And yeah, it's just absolutely mind-blowing story as well as just I found it extremely satisfying to play as well. Um there was just like so much to do. Uh and I got absolutely immersed. As I mentioned before, like I'm a massive fan of RPGs. So uh it was it was a very rewarding story to play out. And it's it sat with me for a long time, just playing it over and over again, because you have the three different life paths as well. Um I know that it was your second uh pick, uh James, but uh tell me what you thought about it. Yeah, no, I mean I I really enjoyed it. I mean it's a nice uh, big open world game. Um it's got, as you say, it's got CD Projekt Red's um, great narrative writing throughout. Um, I think that's pretty much what CD Projekt Red is, is known for. Um, I do have a few small criticisms that I had with it. I felt some, I felt some of the, um, I felt some of the things in the game were a little bit samey. Some of the combat and stuff could get quite uh, repetitive at times. So one of the things you have, for example, is it's completely optional areas of a game uh, where you can um like a little bit of game warfare going on and you need to um and you need to just interrupt them and then pick up an item um it felt quite repetitive those sections even though even though i did a lot um you get money and, 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 and rewards and stuff um it was quite repetitive uh but also the side missions there's some great side missions there with some really good narratives but they are probably a step below for Witcher Freeze um, side missions, which um, probably quite hard to top because those side missions and those narratives, they had so much more consequence, I, I felt. Uh, every single side mission in Witcher 3 had such a high level of uh, choice and consequence to them. And I don't think all of uh, Cyberpunk's side quests did. A few did, but nowhere near as many. Yeah, I definitely think there were some things that could have been fleshed out a lot better, um, especially when you're talking about like the gang warfare. I mean, there were times where like um, I would just be cruising along doing some other mission, and then suddenly I'm in combat, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> it's because some guys from the fucking Tiger Claws gang are like shooting at me, and I'm like, can you not? <laughs> Whilst in the middle of doing something else. Um, I mean, obviously, it uh, it also had like a, a slew of, of interesting bugs. Uh, whilst we were playing um but i guess i was extremely fortunate when i was playing cyberpunk in that i didn't really suffer from those and that's probably down to the fact that i was playing the pc version but um the bugs i did get were not intrusive enough to ruin my experience i know a lot of people were like i'm gonna wait until the game is like less buggy to play it so i'm not ruining my immersion I but some, I, some, I guess i'm just so used to that sort of thing now yeah. that i'm just like eh, it's just an issue well, okay I, I grew up in the 90s where uh, most of the games were buggy as heck um but i love i actually could have quite loved some of the bugs in in in, in cyberpunk quite amusing um you know i, I had it uh, the other day i had a bug where the uh, car disappeared so I was, literally i was driving an invisible car um also, in terms of a car, you can summon the car, like, like, like you can with Geralt's horse from Witcher 3. And often that seems to break. You can see it from like smashing into other vehicles, saving them flying, and, or, um, or, or dropping down from a great height. I, I've seen that car do so many ridiculous things when you summon it. Um, it does warn you that it's a prototype uh, in, the, in, the, in the tooltip text. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking... Um in terms of like hilarious bugs i 
consistently got a bug for a while that um, as I would be getting into my car, someone would try to phone me. And for some reason, um, I think this was like a widely shared bug that people had gotten because what would then happen is you get in the car and instead of driving the car, the car would shoot itself about 3000 feet into the sky and then it would just fall to its death and explode. And it was like, how does it get to that? And I guess thinking about like how game development works maybe is like maybe it was some kind of reset but it just seemed like the weirdest possible way you could go about that. <laughs> um, so I, I spent a lot of time just being like, I'm not answering the phone today. <laughs> or I'm going to wait until I've had this call before I get into this vehicle. It's like, don't talk and drive on your phone. <laughs> no, um, for me, I obviously, uh, as people here know, but other people don't, I, I played the game pretty much till near the end. I just stopped. I don't know why I stopped. Maybe another game came out. I just think like... I. I definitely need to go back to it. I think The Witch definitely held my attention more, and I was looking forward to like, the PS5 version coming out, so like, to play at the time. I've got it on PC now. I did have some like frame rate issues, but I think I've rectified that now uh, using the uh, DL DLSS technology um, that's out now for an NVIDIA. I think it definitely helped for some reason. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to yeah, going back to that game and never go eventually. And obviously they're working on the... Um, the new new stuff, new new campaign content, if I'm correct, like new DLCs and everything. So, yeah, they've they've kind of drip fed some of this information in the past, but a lot of what's being spoken about now is currently as leaked slash rumors. So, whilst people haven't necessarily been wrong about some of the content that's come out, it's like I'm waiting for them to give me the kind of official update. But it's hinted that they're going to add in new gangs and obviously new story missions. Um, without spoiling anything, I definitely think that there's more you can add to some of the kind of end game content as well. Um, you know, I absolutely love the ending, but it is because it's such a, an interesting kind of way they've gone about the life paths. There's so much replayability with the game and, uh, and it, it does give you more options as to how your ending plays out, depending on what you're doing. Um, so I'll be interested to see like what they do with that DLC content and whether they can factor that into the end game as well. Oh, awesome! Well, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Jordan, and thank you, uh, uh, James, for popping in a bit of information there as, as well, because obviously you know inter interlinking numbers there. So that was uh, Jordan's number one game of uh, played twenty twenty one. Right on to my game now, and the final game of twenty twenty one for us all. It is uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, obviously, you know everyone i know knows i love marvel games um i just love marvel in general but i was actually quite like i was i was disappointed with the avengers game that came out uh i enjoyed the campaign um uh a big fan of miss marvel um but i felt like the multiplayer was lacking and i'm a bit disappointed with that so when i heard that the guardians of the galaxy game was coming out i was like oh no it's just an offshoot of that and i realized no it's actually just it was literally a single player only game and it was I, I was shocked like i was honestly shocked when i played the game uh i thought it was brilliant the narrative was amazing uh, i don't really want to spoil it because the game does actually get quite deep into like guardians lore but it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't treat the player like you know you have to the the, the info dump you it, it's sprinkled in there to the point where you figure out what this is but then by the time you finish the game you're like oh wow i actually know quite a bit about this this entire you know team now 
without actually knowing anything before. Like you can go or join between missions. You're on the Milano, the ship they have, and you can talk to the crew and everything and how that goes. And you can learn more about the crew and interact with them. There's a llama at some point, <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, and it basically, it's about like the guardians dealing with this like menacing threat that's appearing in, in, in the galaxy and they have to save everything. The the narrative itself does um, jump back and forth between the eighties. Like you do actually, you know, you do actually go back and you realize about Peter's previous life and how how it intersects with everything and where he is now. And a lot of people felt like, oh, is this just going to be like off brand Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, the movie essentially, and it's not. It's it's literally its own thing. All the characters have a different personality. Uh, they've taken other characters in the original comic book direction, like. Um, uh gamora and uh, drax they are more like their original comic book selves uh and i think that's really awesome rocket is pretty much just rocket raccoon from you know because i i don't think you could really change a, a raccoon who fires guns and rocket launchers and his badass attitude differently and groot well he only has three words so you know you can't really change that but peter he is more He's more um, t put together than the film version. Like he actually knows kind of what he's doing to a degree, and it, that's interesting because that's how it plays into the game, in which you actually only control Star Lord. You actually only control him in the game, and you actually control your other teammates through uh, directional button actions. So you actually like order them to do attacks, and then after a certain point in the game, there's this entire AT soundtrack where you give your where you'll bring your team together and give a motivational speech. And then the thing is though is that you get two choices at the end of the, basically you have to listen to what your team are saying and you get two choices in. and if you if you choose the correct option after listening to what your team are saying you'll get a big boost of um uh experience and also like uh damage to the opponent and then you get uh fucking rick astley never going to give you up start playing you know or uh um uh, wake me up before you go go as you do these big fights i thought it was brilliant and i thought the ending was really satisfying uh, there's actually two endings, uh, just to not put too much spoilers in there, but just, you know, keep around and everything. And I just thought it was a really, really satisfying game. And it's it's coming from the team that did Deus Ex Human Revolution, Mankind Divided, which I thought was, very, like, to hear that company did that. And to, and I, I know they've got um, possibly more in the works. And I'm kind of hoping maybe down the line they'll intersect with Insomniac and they might create this bigger universe, which would be quite interesting. Uh, but yeah, I thought that I thought the game was brilliant. And that is my number one game of 2021. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it indeed. So yeah, that is it, people. That is all our 2021 game titles. I hope everyone's had a hope everyone's had a good time. You know, talk about our games and hope you guys have uh, enjoyed talking about it yourselves as well. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, I hope uh, hope everyone's having a good time. And if you'd like if you'd like to stick around for a spoiler discussion on the uh, matrix resurrections uh please stay uh, after the break if you want to plug out into the real world uh, and go see the movie pop back uh when you've seen it because obviously we'll be doing spoilers so you don't want to be in that uh i don't know which of you guys will be joining us for the uh, discussion afterwards i believe uh, uh doug and james will be leaving us because they haven't seen the movie and uh they actually want to actually see it first before it gets spoilers and it's quite a long film as we'll get into that i'm not going to do i'm not going to give any spoilers there uh and um so yes but yes anyway people for you people who have joined i hope you've had a great time today joining us for the top five games and uh go watch the matrix definitely an experience and we would definitely like to hear what you film but if you'd like to get in contact with us uh if you have any questions or queries feel free to email us at nmipodcast at outlook.com or follow us on twitter and instagram at nmicast 
Uh, please join us next week as we delve into our top five TV shows of 2021, as well as a spoiler discussion of Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. That is going to be interesting because I've heard things about that movie and yeah, we'll definitely be back for that. So yeah, if you'd like to stick around for The Matrix, please do. But uh, until then, I've been your host, Nate, and uh, thank you to all my guests today. And I hope you'll stay safe and uh, see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. And welcome back, everyone, to uh, Need More Info. Uh, obviously, you know, I hope you enjoyed our top five video games played in 2021. I am joined again by Jordan and Chaz as we delve into The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, just to uh, re-emphasize, this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion. So if you haven't seen the movie or if you just don't care, uh, you know, decide on what you want to do there. Go see the movie, come back, or just listen along. Or if you've seen the movie, see if you agree with us, see if you disagree with us. Uh, you can get in contact with us and we'll give you the contact details at the end. So, right, this film. Uh, let's just go into a very, very brief uh, intro on it first. So. The Matrix Resurrections uh, was released uh, late last year on December twenty twenty December 22nd. Uh, it was directed by Lana Wachowski and it was starring Keanu Reeves, Carrie-Anne Moss, uh, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, Jessica Henwick, Jeff Graff, Neil Patrick Harrison, uh, uh, Priyanka Chopra Jonas and Jada Pinkett-Smith and a whole slew of other actors. And it was uh, released by Warner Brothers and it was on HBO Max and in uh, cinemas internationally. This film is absolutely uh, brilliant <laughs> really it, strong words it it it's an experience yeah uh, that's that's a pretty good classification of it i'd, I'd it, say it's long it, it is definitely quite a long film do but, you know what but, it didn't feel that long to me i didn't it didn't feel like what was it two and a half hours yeah yeah it's like 20 minutes. I think it's about 20 minutes longer than Resurrections or mm. like the longest I actually reloaded. I think it's actually the longest film out it of is. all of them. Yeah. And I I like the film, but I also don't like parts of it. I feel it I feel there was a film there within ironically within The Matrix that is a brilliant story and but there are elements to the movie which took me out of it or it, it 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 pulled it away from what I felt like the Matrix was like. A lot of people put a lot of shit on the Matrix Reload and Matrix um, uh, Revolutions. Uh, Mostly Revolutions. I think I think everyone universally loves Reloaded, but really, it, yeah. Like compared to compared to Revolutions, it's uh, like absolutely gold. I've heard that they sort of tolerate it, but I, I don't. I've always heard that people like the first one and the second two are just kind of eh. Uh, a lot, to be honest with you, Jordan. Uh, so a lot of people love the highway scene in two. Oh yeah, uh, everyone everyone adores the highway scene in two. A lot of people like the burly brawl, which is obviously near versus all the Smiths. But obviously the CGI was, you know, wonky. Well, I was weirdly having a similar conversation with someone else the other day about it, um, and basically, what really it boils down to is. When you think of the first film, there's so many specific scenes that you can think of that are like, yeah, that's like really stuck in my brain as something that happened. And in the second film, it has the same sort of stuff. But when you think about the third film, it's like, oh, it's just like an absolute long mess that I think, ends. <laughs> I think the only things I really remember about the third film, bear in mind I've only seen it once, was uh, the end battle 
and what happens to Neo? And yeah, then the fucking Dragon Ball Z battle in the fucking yeah, city. And, and then the the Smith coming out of the Matrix and not understanding how the hell he did that. <laughs> That's about well, what that, I remember. Well, that, that was in the that was in the um the second one. Or are you talking about the scene where he wakes up after the coma? No, where he's like a human. Agent yeah, but he's Smith. a human in the second one. Oh, okay. Well, that's how memorable the third one is then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they, he wakes up in a coma, or right. from a coma, I should say. Yeah, because he well, he is a human in both parts. You know, he because the second one literally ends with uh, on them on the table and the camera panning over to human Smith. And by the way, going back to that movie, big props to the actor for doing a perfect Hugo Weaving uh, voice impression. The only other person who so pulled good. it off. Is uh, Aaron, uh, I believe his name's Aaron from The Walking Dead. Uh, he voiced Hugo Weaving in Avengers Endgame. Oh, right. So he was he was the Red Skull in Avengers Endgame. Hmm. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, spoilers for that. Uh, the movie's been out for a few years now. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you uh, could. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, actually a known voice actor, and he actually came out to do the Hugo Weaving voice for that, because Hugo Weaving didn't come back. But, nice. yeah, this this film, um, going, you know, obviously going off the other two, I loved the I loved them. Uh, I thought, you know, I loved the Burly Brawl. I loved the Enter the Matrix and the Path of Nia video games that went along with it. I thought they were amazing. The fact that they were actually, you know, almost they were. I think I believe they were written by the Wachowskis as well, like because there were actual in-game movie shot scenes. They would have had some involvement, right? I mean, enter yeah, because I mean, like Enter the Matrix. Um, it was like, it was like, uh, oh yeah, no, it was directed by the Wachowskis. So it was All actually right. directed by them, and Impressive. like, I didn't yeah, know that. That's cool. Yeah, because um, they because obviously it was the movie. It coincides with literally um the movie itself with Moby and uh, I remember his other name as well. Uh, Ghost. Uh, you know, so those that plays out, and I think uh, Path of Neo was them as well, and they changed the ending to that, which was hilarious because it was a big kaiju Smith at the end of that video game. Which I, I think called. you uh, you mentioned to me the other day that about the uh, the online game as well being like one hundred percent canon. <laughs> so I thought that was the case because uh, in the in the video game, The Matrix Online, Morpheus dies in the video in, in the Matrix, but in the film, it's a, I, it's it's not alluded to how he actually dies. It is it, never specified. So they they kind of, I think they just kind of gently say of old age because yeah. like it's like <laughs> we're now into spoilers basically. He he rocks up uh, and becomes like I don't know the new the new leader of Zion, um, and everything's great for a while. Uh, but then he just kind of dies, and it's it's not even like he shows up on camera as like a past scene. He's just he is gone, and Niobe is there, but she's an old ass bitch. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, because it's set sixty years after, and we'll go into her in a little bit. But then we got I've got some I've, I believe we've got some comments on that to be honest, but. Uh, yeah, just by going by the previous films, I I actually really enjoyed the third Matrix film. Uh, obviously, I do love the Dragon Ball Z parts. I love me some anime, and I thought I thought the one thing I will go into in this movie as well: the music was nowhere near as good as the previous films. Like it, it wasn't, it was nowhere near the same level, in my opinion. Thinking about when I saw the movie, I'm trying to think of memorable music bits from it, and nothing's really coming to mind. So yeah, maybe you're right about that. I I can't believe both of you. <laughs> there is oh. a very prolific montage oh. right near the start where um where, oh yeah where neo is oh. like hang on no i'm well, utterly rubbish. convinced about like you know that he's like the trailer crazy. music right 
yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, uh, yeah, that in, good. They bring in that song, um, and yeah, because I was gonna say, like, going back to kind of your earlier point, Nate, um, about like things that you liked about it and things that you didn't, and I think really for me, it it's like the film is in two parts: the good part and the less good part. Mm. The first half is like 100% amazing. I loved half. every second, except yeah. for the cringy game developers. Like, uh, I, I there's been a lot of talk about them. All of them, they were awful. I think that was on purpose. I think. Yeah. Well, so um, it's sort of like, I think it goes back to the first Matrix film where um, Mouse, the uh, the guy who created the, the lady in the red dress, he goes, well, what is chicken? Why does everyone taste like chicken? Did, did they think it tastes like chicken? So maybe it's the Matrix thinking, oh, because they're trying to keep Neo within this world. So they've created like these over t- over the top game developers who like they're sort of like an overstimulated version of what what is in real life. So it just it just makes me wonder like what does Lana Wachowski like look at our generation? Cuz that's kind of what they're commenting on is like let's say Keanu Reeves is Lana's generation and everybody else around him is like millennials and I was just like what is she seeing us? I feel like it's more of a reflection of like corporate uh, game personalities, I suppose. Maybe. Rather than, yeah. And also, I just remembered talking about the music, the end credits scene, I just remembered, sorry, the end credits music, that stuck with me because it was like, I don't know, it was some kind of Rage Against the Machine type. I don't know if it was a it, cover. It was, it was literally the Rage Against the Machine song, but sung by somebody else. It was a cover. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, I think it's just for me, like, We'll get into this in a minute about the whole fighting. But I think the fighting and the music go hand in hand. Like, there's bit, these big orchestral pieces of like the, and um, just how, how it plays off of it. And I just don't think that impact was there. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, I so said we'll get into that. But go, obviously going by the start of the film, I a lot of people actually criticise Keanu Reeves' performance in this movie. And I'm going, because I think people expected him to be John Wick. Because he, you know, he he pretty he's like he pretty much he has his long hair still, he has the beard. And he's like this this is John Wick in the Matrix. And... I feel like the trouble people are having here is that they think that Keanu Reeves is an amazing actor, and I'm not saying that he's a bad actor. I'm just saying that that's just how he does things. Like he's very kind of like everything's you know like this and there, and it's like and it did... that's just how he talks. And like oh. and people are expecting him to be like you know this ridiculous Brad Pitt-esque actor because he's been in so many things, right? It didn't take me out of it at all. I do think it worked in, like, the setting that they put him in, really. Yeah, he, yeah, just he sort looked of like a nervous wreck. <laughs> confused and lost, and, yeah, it worked. Yeah, and a, a broken mind. And I, I really thought the um the scene when he first uh, meets, you know, uh, Trinity, or uh, what was her name? What was her name? Oh, uh, Tr- Triss, right? Tiffany. Tiffany, that's Tiffany. it. Yeah, yeah Tiffany. <laughs> Uh, uh yeah so i thought that i thought that scene was really good like his timidness and everything mm-hmm. and also fun fact her husband uh chad stelinski is uh was keanu reeves's stunt double for, and uh, yeah. stunt, as well as stunt coordinator for the previous films and he directed the first john wick movie oh so, uh so it's kind of yeah i thought it was i thought it was pretty fun when i saw him i was like i know who you are bit of a varied career stuntman and director yeah, but I think like with um, I think people were just like really expecting John Wick, and a lot of people were joking saying, well, "What if John Wick is in the Matrix? Like, what if like 
this entire meta thing because that's how he can do all these things. But yeah, that would have been know. hilarious. Probably I mean, wouldn't have worked like you know plot hole wise. This film was already a bit wonky on the story, but man, wouldn't it have been like such a ballsy thing for them to do that? Yeah, it's like an extremely meta film, obviously as well. Like they constantly like dropped a lot of kind of jokes and i found myself like laughing a lot at the start yeah. of the film just with everything that they were saying because it was it was almost to the point it was like really in your face <laughs> i was laughing way more than i thought like i never really thought of matrix films as particularly funny but this one was well yeah pretty meta and quite quite hilarious at points because of that let's get into the story a little bit i mean with with this movie it's playing on the the, the whole reboot like re uh revamp aesthetic and but using I actually thought it was a very intrigue. Like, I think where Jordan made a point of like the first half is uh, great, and the second half is so great. Uh, and I think because the first half deals with this whole aspect of like what is going on, what what is 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 he losing his mind? Is it all real? And then and it does reintroduce him to the real world. You know, uh, I like the aspect of like reintroducing how how they how they brought it back in, how they changed it, how they changed things out a little bit and updated things. And I, I really wish we would have explored IO more, like the new... Um, yeah, the new... that would have been cool. I, yeah. I did like the little bit that they did with that. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like um, that robots were... No, they're not even called robots, are they? The mechanics, mechanical uh, creatures were helping them now, but I, I thought that made some sense. Yeah. It was cool to see, especially the, uh, the way they brought the, the programs into real life with like the nanobots. That was awesome. I was just going to say um, that uh, really what I thought was quite great about it was just the fact that it's very obviously pointing out the fact that it hates reboots. And yeah. like, yes. I, I've, I've said this to Nate like a million times, but like one of the things I really hate about the current film industry is that a lot of things that are kind of popular these days are remakes of old films mm-hmm. or like reboots of franchises. Um you know that either no one cares about or that people really care about and they're like they're gonna ruin it yeah and and then you have like a franchise that never ends and that just seems to be like the only things that come out and this film was legitimately just like yeah fucking hate reboots and we're just gonna throw it in your face a lot that yeah rebooting the franchise we're rebooting this game guys we're gonna bring it back to life and that you know i i felt like that was very clever Especially the bit where they're in the office and like they literally name drop Warner Brothers and they're like, "We're gonna do it with or without them." I was like, "Wow, that's brave." But... You you literally start. I was I was sure, I was literally just about to get <laughs> sorry, yeah. man. I mean, no, 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 it's fine. I mean, I, I, it's it's good that we all notice. I mean, I think I also think it's brilliant that Warner Brothers are like, "Yeah, do it," you know, because obviously, you know, I believe Warner Brothers have got it. You know, the guy see the script as well. The guy know what it's like. So oh yeah, like, yeah. I would have seen that. And obviously, like, they approved it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean. You know, if, but that was if, like a real thing, right? Like they were planning to maybe do a Matrix film, and like they were like, "We're gonna do this film," and then they kind of strong armed someone yeah. <laughs> into being a part of it. And I mean, sorry, Charles, you continue. Uh, I was just gonna say the fact that they only got one of the directors back as well. Kind of, it, it says something about that. It's just like, let's see who we can actually agree to do this. But it doesn't really matter. We're gonna do it anyway. There is a story behind that as well, but I feel like Nate. Uh, knows what i'm about to say <laughs> yeah i mean go go for it you know i was just going to explain like so um a lot of what's tied into i was kind of going to go into this a bit later but basically uh a lot of this film is like lana wachowski who directed it uh 
made this film partly because of the fact that her f- parents both died quite suddenly um in recent years and then around that time that they were trying to get over that loss they then came up with the concept of this film and bringing the two characters uh trinity and neo together again and that brought them a lot of peace whereas lily the other sister um their kind of feeling around the matrix brought up a lot of like negative uh feelings and like of like you know their past gender identity as well as uh just like they didn't feel like they wanted to be back in that place making this film because um well they don't have like any angst against making matrix films as per se it's more just they didn't feel the same way about making the film hmm. as lana did and so you know it, it, it seemed like a an interesting way to go about it so that it wasn't like like lily was like i will not be a part of this it was more you know you do your thing i'm gonna deal with you know the parents loss a different way it, it makes me glad to be honest that um uh is it lana uh lana wachowski she wanted to uh come back for you know she had a reason to do it rather than just they they're gonna pay me some money um so well, there, yeah there was, there was, well obviously as uh, john and said there's two reasons for it. it's basically exactly, yeah. anyway it was either yeah. you know you're gonna do it or you know you could come back and uh, I just think it's also like um, I think that I think that's a I think the Wachowski sisters complemented each other in that regard. Like I think if both of them were on this, which obviously you know I'm not going to go against them on that because you know each their own decisions and everything. You know it's, it's all good. Uh, but I think maybe they would have cut like maybe um, <clears throat> Lana's very good at the story, whereas uh, uh, what what's uh, what's the other sister's name? Sorry, Lily. Lily, Lily Wachowski. I was going to say Lisa, but it's uh, Lily Wachowski. Uh, Ali, she... At least I'm pretty sure it's Lily. Am I? I could be wrong. <laughs> I should probably Google this just in case. Let's uh, let's double check that quickly. Uh, yeah, it's Lily Wachowski. Yeah, it's Lily. Haha, I win. Yeah. Haha. Uh, so I don't, uh, I don't know what, but I win. Uh, so I think she may have been better on the uh, the like the camera work and the maybe the stunt side like that 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 shooting and everything. So maybe that would have balanced them out. And that is one of the critiques i will have about the movie because uh, i loved the story and i feel that if they gave it two films i think it would have been much better or even a mini series like do a matrix mint live action mini series with this like six episodes i don't know series. i'm I, not sure I if think, i agree with you there <laughs> i i think it would have worked better because i think there's so much story to go into that it just didn't it didn't have enough film or it was because because i mean you gotta agree the pacing is very quick in this film yeah it does feel like they weren't in uh in the matrix for that long really but it must have been a fair amount because it is two and a half hours long yeah i was gonna say like um the problem with this film is not that it should be a miniseries it's just that it tries to do too much in a short amount of time and they didn't have to like they there was like so many elements of the film happening you know that it feels like you're just getting bombarded with information and it's just like you don't have to add some of these things like there could have been a lot of it feels like no one looked at this story and gave edits before they made it into a film it feels like there was things that they could have just skipped over like i didn't need everything about the the kind of ins and outs of of like the what was it it's not the architect but it's the other guy no uh uh it's the analyst the analyst 
Like, there was stuff about that could have been dropped out towards the end where they're like, oh, you've got to choose what you want to do. And it's like in a coffee shop and it just felt really like, what is happening? But then, like, some of the more things I was interested in was like learning about the the robot wars and the conflict mm-hmm. outside of the Matrix. Because I wanted to know, like, how did we get from A to B? But it seemed to be like we've got gone from A to Z, and we'll tell you about like half of the alphabet, and then the other half is just like, eh, fuck you, you don't get to know. <laughs> they were talking about like a robot civil war, and I was like, that sounds really interesting. But I think that was maybe like three sentences. Yeah, they glossed over it real that. quick. It's just like, oh, okay. What might have been good actually is a case of um, like there's actually this would have been a really good point. So there's a scene in the film where um, Bugs, played by Jessica Henwick, who, by the way, I actually thought she was great in the film. Uh, that, yeah, she was. Sorry. Yeah. Um, like, there's a scene in the film where she sees the, she sees Neo or, like, what she finds out is Neo about to leap up a building. If they did a film before this was about the entire machine, machine versus war, and then her, it was from her perspective, coming out and everything, and she sees this man falling off, she's like, oh, I realise this is not the real world. Uh, this is not the real world. But you don't find out that's Neo until the end of the film and then do this film. So it's sort of like it reveals Neo at the end. And then this entire film was just about Neo and Trinity. So it sort of like goes into that and it, it supplants all these things in the film where it goes, oh, no, we're going to go this direction. I think that would have been better because uh, the Animatrix, like that was brilliant. And that yeah. dealt with like the machine and human war in two episodes. It sounds like a cool concept, but I'm not sure about how many people would have seen a Matrix movie after 20 years without Neo in it, basically. It's, I mean, it's a cool idea, but yeah, that's that's the thing that springs to mind with, with that thought. No, I get you, and uh, I, I totally get you there. I think, um, but I do definitely agree, the machine war would have been a really cool aspect, and like the energy wars, essentially, which is an interesting way to put it, because that was the whole... That was the whole principle behind the machine was because of energy, uh, which was obviously so yeah. great. Even you saying like it could have been two movies, what immediately sprung to mind was all of that stuff at the start with you know them being in the Matrix and being in the games company, all of that like cool subversion stuff they were doing. That could have probably been its own movie, I reckon. Like that, that's what immediately sprung to mind. Yeah, I think uh, in regards to like, other characters like um, Yahab Dormatin the second as Morpheus like an AI version of Morpheus or Morpheus Smith hybrid that he's created by Neo originally. Yeah, that was yeah, I I saw a lot of criticisms about that. Like I understood why they kind of went about it that way and I thought it was like an interesting idea. I just don't think they needed to tie it to Morpheus. No. Like, no honestly, it, it just felt... seemed like it just they just, I feel like a lot of people criticized they were like oh they've just got another prominent actor who, you know, is bald like to play morpheus and then it was just like if it doesn't have to be new morpheus it just well, has to be an, an agent who switched sides i do have to point out that he has an anti bald in real life they just they actually purposely shaved his head to make him more morpheus like and oh really fair enough yeah yeah because he's he's actually a brilliant actor because he's in the recent watchman limited uh series tv show and he was brilliant in that and he's one of the people that people say might and he's also the new in the new Candyman movie as the main character um and people also think he might be want, want to be the new black panther um but anyway yeah so i thought he was um i actually liked him in the movie uh i think like the whole like issue with, like people going on about that did go against it like uh yeah it was it was an unfair criticism i really liked him as well i thought it was good yeah 
yeah, you mentioned, Chaz, about the whole machines in the real world and like taking on the, you know, the image and everything, like the ball bearing essentially the, you know, the morphing of them and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but and also because also I noticed in the film there was I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how the machines are very insect like, like the, they 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 go completely away from humanity because in the animated tricks um they take on an almost human appearance to like you know coincide with humanity and human like humanity like fuck you so the machines like okay die uh and they go very insect like but in this film if you notice the machines which are like with the humanity now. They become more bipedal. They have more like they have like two eyes. Like they become, they try to take on more of a, a human, a more you know, human mammal aesthetic essentially. So they still See, have the machine effect. That was another thing that kind of threw me off as well because the only one that was like, see, when I was watching it, right, I thought they were meant to be like fish, because the the one that's like silent that just kind of roams around looked a lot like um. Like some of these kind of weird, like I don't know, loofah bug-like fish that you get in the ocean, and then you had that other one that's like the rescue angel, <laughs> but oh, the bird, it the looked bird. like a stingray, and I was like, oh, oh it's the... a stingray, and then it was like, no, it's a bird, and I was like, oh, I didn't see that at all, yeah. <laughs> like, and then they also had that little tiny one, which literally served no purpose in my mind. That was just like a weird robot that was just there. I was getting like Transformers vibes off of that, you know, like the little annoying oh, robot. God, yeah. You know that one? Yeah, I was just like, yeah. don't, don't tell me they're copying that. Come on. Yeah, yeah, like, okay, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, go, yeah I, I really enjoyed him in the film. I liked the fact that he, he was able to interact, how they brought him into the real world and the, in the Matrix world and how, you know, how he tried to unlock Neo and everything. I thought it was really good. Um, going off the Neo Smith thing, sorry, Morpheus Smith thing, Jonathan Gro- uh, Groff. Uh, as Smith, or as the new version of Smith, aka they didn't get Hugo Weaving back, so we got this actor. And I really like the actor because he's in Mindhunter. He's in. Uh, he plays King George in Hamilton, and he plays the main male voice actor in Frozen. So he's got quite a dynamic range. And then um, I thought I thought he was really good. Um, yeah, I same. Liked, yeah, I I I. I'd, if they did do another one, I don't think we're going to get another one of these because supposedly Warner Brothers. Uh, I read an article that's set to lose a hundred million dollars with this film. Really? Uh, yeah. They they've made most of the money back in terms of the budget, but that's not necessarily the way that they get a movie to be greenlit again. It it unfortunately was just like bad timing and also re-releasing on uh, HBO Max at the same time that it's just like absolutely piss poor. Like it basically did like a quarter of what they thought it was gonna do. Oh damn. That's a bit of a shame because oh, I don't know if I would want a sequel, but I did enjoy this one, so I, think, I, um, I would have like, liked for it to do well. Yeah, because with him, obviously, he's um, Neo's business partner in the world, like looking over him and how he's evolved as well. He's evolved into like he's he's literally a virus who can transfer between bodies now. Obviously, he could take over bodies before, but sort of like they've changed how he like morphs and everything, which I thought was really cool. And I like how he's t- t- taken on like a like. I will help you to get my own way sort of thing. So he's like trying to work with Neo now to a point. Yeah, that was, yeah, a bit odd, but it's an interesting take. I do like how he kind of uh, rebelled against the the analyst in the end. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to, I was going to add there um, that uh, what I actually quite liked about the fact that it wasn't Hugo Weaving is because it wasn't immediately obvious that he was like a smith agent 
Yeah. Because at the start, he's just like the business partner, the edgy business partner. Yeah, you're um, right. And I quite liked how literally mid, like, everything's going to shit in the office and the SWAT teams come in. Um that it's almost like he kind of like jerks and he's like oh shit i'm an agent i forgot and then he just fucking gets his gun out <laughs> and i was like that's awesome like that whole sequence is just like what the fuck is happening that well, he does it he does his most iconic line to wake up so mr yeah he kind of like you know that's what like, at him yeah I, which i thought was great and also that gun looked real like when it's fine like the 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 seek that sequence was really good with like the water and Another issue I had for actually that goes into another point I was going to have was the sets. I was half and half with the the like the locations. Like it, half of them seemed really good, like the real world and everything. But when it came to the in world, it's like actually the end sequence in the cafe. It felt very theater stagey. It felt very like now that could have been possibly because of COVID. I don't know if they filmed this before COVID or during COVID. That could have been one of the reasons during why. COVID, but yeah, I, I know yeah. what you mean. It felt, I kind of wish they chose a different cafe. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was very like rectangle shaped, so you could tell it's like, don't want to break that line yeah, <laughs> of, exactly. of like, you know, the invisible cinema line. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but yeah, just going back to, um, just go back to him for a second. I've, I'm really looking forward to what he does next, because I think he, he, as said, he's very like, he's very diverse in what he can do. And I would, I would have loved to see more of him if this film did eventually get something else. Because maybe, maybe it could continue in animated form. I would be, I, it, it, that's a, that's an avenue it could go. And I definitely, and he's obviously got animation experience, and I definitely enjoy having him back. Um, but yeah, going back to the uh, the sets, like the actual, you know, sets though, like the the sequence with the Merovingian coming back. Yeah, that, that was, was wild. That was weird. I didn't uh, know what he was saying. I didn't know what he was saying. I didn't understand what was going on. What was they said it was old programs or something. I, I was sorry. I'm a I'm a Matrix newbie. I got a bit it goes, lost. Uh, it goes into the previous films where basically uh, in the original Matrix films, in the second and third one, you get exiles, which are like uh, old programs which either which don't return to the source. And this is where you have like this is where ghosts and vampires and werewolves come from because they were old programs from previous Matrix iterations. Because obviously this was the seventh version, the last movie. So this is the eighth, yeah, or whatever version it is. No, uh, it was the uh, sixth version. So this is seventh. Oh no, no, I, God. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, uh, well, we don't know how many times they reset the Matrix since then. Um, true, but, true. But um, in regards to that, though, like, yeah, they were essentially exiles. Because uh, obviously, uh, Sati, uh, 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 yes, yeah, Sati, uh, played by. Uh, Priyana Chopra Jonas, uh, you know, she's the little Indian girl who um who grew up and now she's sort of like the Oracle to a degree, I believe. Mm -hmm. And she's assisting them and she has that, you know, thing she, right. She's she's not the Oracle, but like she her it's weird. She's like a world designer. That's sort of her thing. And that's kind of what they allude to in at the end of the third one is that she like paints the sky with colors. She like makes edits of the, of the Matrix to do really nice things. And then in this one, she's like, "My father told me how to edit the Matrix so we could do this thing." Well, I think um I knew exactly who. So in the trailers, no one knew who her character was. But I kind of well, a lot of people didn't. I I've kind of knew straight away because at the end of the Matrix Revolutions, when she creates that sky for Neo. In this movie, they changed the complete visual aesthetic of the film, and it matches that aesthetic at the end of that movie. And I was like, "Well, this is what it looks like." So, you know, it's and I it was weird because obviously this movie, like the previous movies, had this green tint on them, 
and this movie was so sharp and so colorful which was which was very weird to look at at some that was something i noticed too yeah perhaps like slightly subconsciously but yeah it's a it's it's almost like a happier film than the others it's it's very odd to see the matrix like that i think i think that's purposeful though like i think how like uh, Lana did this movie was to be a, a contrast to the pre like maybe maybe the versions before it were black and white maybe like you know each version of the matrix has a different visual style when you go into it I think um, that feeds into one of the things that made it stand out from as Jordan was saying some of these like rehashes and re-releases that are happening where you know they don't just try and make it exactly like the old ones they try and do something different which I think it works it's pretty cool I was just thinking, uh, I have, I have like a theory now. Um, cause like when you're thinking about this film and it's, it's like vivid colors, I'm wondering if it's like weirdly paying homage to like Looney Tunes. Cause obviously they had Bugs Bunny as a character. And I guess that also harkens to the fact that there's like the tattoo of the white rabbit on in the first film. But I'm wondering if it's like meant to be like, because it's like Looney Tunes and it's like really vivid, colorful, that that plays into the part of like Neo, like losing his shit a bit, like that it's it's like a circus and it's like really, really like overbearing, like everything's really happy and nice. Aren't you happy, Neo? And he's just like fucking losing his mind. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, going going back to the sets and the, the the visual aesthetic there, the film, as we said before, I thought some of the location choice was really good, like the, the dojo re- revisit and like how it was on a big lake and like some like the actual bike bike through the town. I thought was really good with the horde mode um, or the swarm mode that activated. I thought it was pretty cool. I love that bit. That was so cool. Just like yeah. fucking dive bombing people out of windows. Oh my god, that was so absurd, but it was good. <laughs> but yeah, going like. It just feels like, as as we mentioned before, the movie was very rushed in in its shots because we had we had a discussion about this before, John, about how the average shot of the film, the average shot length in this film is two point seven seconds long. Yeah, and it's, it's very, very quick cuts. Yeah, and all the action. This is where my main concern comes in. The Matrix for me is known as machines, um, really cool audio, pretty really interesting story, and the fighting. The fighting was a big, like the martial arts was a big part of it, and obviously they didn't bring the uh, obviously the visual stunt coordinators didn't come back, um, but the music and the fighting complement each other, and I feel one the music wasn't done by Don Davis this time because I believe they fell out um, with with the Wachowskis and him fell out or they fell out, uh, and I think like that's I, that's what I love about the final Matrix, well the Matrix Revolutions, like the final fight between Neo and Smith, the, the music and that was brilliant in my opinion. And you could say other things about it, but that's what I thought it was. And in this film, the fighting was too close shot. It was it was shot too close. Yeah, uh, didn't, it didn't. Get what's no, like I was at, uh, uh, someone did an article about this actually, a stunt uh, or a video about how in the original Matrix movie, every shot that happens, every punch that connects, when they change the shot, so in the dojo scene, when they change the shot. When a punch happens, the next shot is that punch connecting. So you see every action in that. So you, you flow with the movement of the fights. Yeah, like and, you felt the impact as the as the choreography was exactly, going. Exactly, exactly. And like the the underground fight between Neo and Smith, like in the first film, with that funny sound where he like chokes him like with his fingers and everything, which is really weird to say. I guess it's only really there's only really some fights in this film where it's like really really good, and it's like you have the fight with Smith and Neo in like the basement of that weird warehouse they were in 
which by the way when i was looking at that scene i remember thinking about uh did you both have like a, a go bananas in your hometown like a indoor jungle gym that's what it looked like and i was just it just looked like such a mess but um but i remember like the fight in the basement um while it wasn't quite as good as like the train station fight from the first matrix it was still like that had more impact on me than everybody else's fights like because they were just so messy and all over the shop see that the problem was that it was the fight just before like up above where there was like so many people fighting it was so quick and so the, the the shots were so close and like uh i know uh jessica henwick she um she's actually a brilliant martial artist like i've seen her in the show iron fist it's not great uh but uh you know she was great in it and um funny enough she had to actually choose between the matrix to go back to marvel which was quite funny um and she chose this um and i think i mean, it's a I, mean case... I would yeah no, of course yeah yeah of course uh but i think like because i've seen the behind the scenes footage of them training and i did have i did have worries like is is, is keanu is going to be able to get to the level of the fighting he did in the original films because obviously he's this is 20 years later almost um and well, they kind of make reference to that in the film don't they he's like i'm not who i used to be <laughs> that's the thing i feel like the fighting reflected how he what how he has kind of gotten worse basically because he's older and you know out, out of practice but i think that's where like it comes into like the younger generation fighting it should it should have pulled the camera back given extra time for the shots like, maybe because they wanted to get so much story in that's why they cut the shots down in the film but that's one of my main critiques of the film like i actually really love the other like the love the story and everything and like the idea concept but the fighting was the weakest part for me the fighting and the music was the yeah. weakest part for me a bit that stood out for me uh, in terms of action it's i guess it's kind of fighting but not really was where trinity and neo are running away on the the motorbike and neo is just doing his kind of force field blast thing over and over and over and over and i'm like it's just it made it so obvious that like he wasn't really fighting and he couldn't fly and i'm just like oh yeah that that for me was kind of weak and it was it was kind of like a a get out of jail free card for every fight that he they were involved with like i liked the idea of the sequence but it felt like it went on for so long just like driving around and around and around just like force field force field force that's field. because the same thing to, yeah it just felt a bit weird it got jumped by a bunch of people he would you know, use his force field, and then it would happen again and again and again, like eight times or something. So I do have to come into this though, because uh, this actually we're coming, we're, we're wrapping up soon, but we we haven't got to this point yet. How do you feel about Trinity being uh, the? I they say the one, but I call it the two now, because <laughs> like you know, I want to think of think of it in a in like a computer programming sense, like it is patch one point one of like the one. It is the next one. <laughs> I didn't really think of her. I mean, maybe they were trying to get that across, but I more saw of it as she was just becoming more skilled with her, her abilities inside the Matrix, not necessarily yeah. she was taking over Neo's role or anything. I like to think they're both the one. Like, they're both, like, together they are the one. Well, that was the as point, right? To, like, one and one. <laughs> the film was trying to make that, that, uh, that point because, you know, they were strongest when they were closer together, right? Yeah, because obviously in, in the first Matrix film, Neo only finally becomes... So the article goes on about how, like, you know, um, you have to decide who you are, you know, to choose who you are, and Trinity is told, that, like, you will you will find him, you, you will love him and everything. And Mia only comes back to life when she accepts who he is. So she's sort of, like, the key to unlocking him who he is. And in this film, it's the reverse. So it's her unlocking her memory, her, her realisation of who she is. 
it's unlocking her. So maybe it's a case of like I I tried to think that maybe because obviously the architect with his huge spiel he did. There's an anomaly in the Matrix, and maybe this version of the Matrix, because the aspect of love, which was different to the other versions, created this double effect essentially, and give give you know give the ability of doing that. Because I'm not gonna lie, when when they went on when they went on the roof, that was when I was new. I was like, okay, yeah, I know who she is. I was gonna say like uh, what really kind of sold it to me, like as you were talking about it then, and I was just thinking about the whole film, um, and like the franchise in general you could argue that there was always hints that she had extra powers that she wasn't aware of you know because she literally like brings neo back to life by kissing him and then like she survived a bullet which was like unfathomable i mean obviously you could argue like oh yeah you know neo is the one he could do whatever he likes but like there was definitely a lot of things that happened in the franchise where it made you think oh actually maybe trinity has something going on but like she was they always one of their, it. she was always one of their better fighters and and you know general members of their crew right so yeah i don't think it's too much of a stretch yeah so like i, I was kind of very forgiving about her becoming one like and getting and getting more powers yeah um but yeah yeah jordan knows, jordan knows this right i actually used to really dislike trinity in the previous movies i'm not sure why maybe i was just younger and didn't like her for some reason but i thought she i actually thought she was a lot better in this movie personally more interesting yeah uh when it comes to this film though actually going on your point is um you actually brought up a a good point jordan when trinity is brought back to life could that have been because when when you when you see him bring her back to life a huge spark of light enters her body could Mm. that be the point where he transfers like she unlocked him and she he sort of like because it's it's the revival aspect and that could have been like because they're oh, going like to... with agent smith as well like he got more powers after exactly. being like zooped in i exactly. mean she only just got that like that the touch of life but like but yeah i can see what you're talking about yeah because he gripped he went in he took the body out and then he gripped her heart because he went back in and gripped her heart and then she saw her like this big re- big revival and like big resurrection and then obviously at the end of the, f- the third film we thought they were both dead but why did um they take her as well like because they could they could have just dumped her body but uh, but then they realize but but this takes place soon after that happens because obviously these movies take place within a couple of days of each other in the final two so maybe the matrix realized oh shit maybe this is what's going on maybe he has this a bit like with smith he's able to transfer himself into other people like duplicate himself maybe neo has the ability as well just he has the ability to transfer his his one ability so wow fuck, I never thought his, about that. his oneness <laughs> his oneness i never fucking I, ever thought about that like i was gonna say go. actually um on that particular note as well that like i actually really really liked even though it was very brief the the kind of like this is probably a bit gross to say but i actually quite liked the whole that we were building them and putting them in the, oh, ch- in the machine oh, God, it was yeah, like yeah. it made me feel so like oh man they like because that I thought brought back some of my first feeling about the the original Matrix, where it's like the machines are cold-hearted and they will just do this most grotesque, messed-up things to humans to get what they want because they don't care about their feelings. And I just remember watching it, like ah, oh, the tiny little robots going in their skin and like ah, it was yeah, gross, that was, gross, that gross. was messed up. Yeah, uh, it was when it was when they were repairing Neo's eyes. Oh, like, that, that and the brain, really, like, yeah, the brain as well. Ugh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just like, 
uh that that got me to be honest but yeah going back to the uh the rooftop sequence like when trinity when they finally do jump off i'm like as soon as they hit that rooftop and trinity's been driving i was like i knew what was going to happen because neo tried to fly which i thought was quite funny um, and yeah. it was just like, uh no can't do it maybe need to reboot and then she's the one who catches him which i thought was a beautiful scene. like when she um <clears throat> oh no what is it oh sorry no it's before that because she sees the city in code but the code is golden this time. It's it's sort of like yellow. So it's not it's not like the Matrix where Neo literally just saw code over it, you know, it was shaped out and everything. Because whereas Neo sees the Matrix in green, because we see that in the film. No, he um, sees it in gold too. I thought I thought he sees it in green. Because it shows you the comparison when he's in um like when he gets the ability to like see in code in the real world, he's seeing it in gold. Are you talking about when he's in the Matrix? I'm not sure how he sees it in the Matrix, to be fair, but I remember that scene very specifically because that's when he kills the the Smith that's outside. He's like, I can see you, and he's like gold with like fire. Yeah. So in the Matrix, uh, Neo sees the world as code, green code, because they remember in the end of the first film when he he looks up and he sees all the you know, the hallway and everything, it's all green and so on and so forth in layer versions. But in this movie, when he's walking down the street to the cafe, it's all green. But when Trinity sees the world, it's gold, so it, it's different. Like it's it's uh, could be that one point one version. <laughs> uh, but I I when I saw that, I was like, okay, she's starting to see the real world, the Matrix world through her own eyes. And as soon as they jumped off, I was like, yes, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know exactly how that's going to play out, and I, I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. The flying off aspect, maybe not as much. I was going to say, yeah, that 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 scene was or that shot was really good, and. <laughs> And then a bit after when it just, just flew off a little bit, and then suddenly they're out. That was very abrupt. And so yeah. they actually did that, by the way, uh, multiple times. They actually jumped up. Both of them jumped off that building. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So there's there's a behind the scenes video of them actually doing it in the middle of LA, just jumping off that building, and like uh, that must have been absolutely horrifying to shoot. <laughs> I feel like they don't have to do that. <laughs> like we have the technology to put a building like in CGI and a green screen. And like, like they were Keanu's... just like, yeah, just fucking chuck him off the side. I feel like yeah. Keanu's the kind of guy who just would do his like a bunch of his own stunts if he can. Oh, do you he know what? Yeah. He's not. He's oh. not anymore. Cause he's had far too many accidents. Oh really? <laughs> he said in like a Graham Norton interview about how he fucking came off his bike at speed and he's got a humongous scar on his leg. Oh damn. Um, and like he was so like shocked at the time that a passerby who was helping him was like getting severely grossed out because he was saying, "Look how white my bone is!" Like because he's like delirious with pain. I can I can literally hear that in his voice right now in my head. If you were if if well if you know about the previous films like in the first Matrix film, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves had a spinal injury, and uh, I believe Hugo Weaving had a leg injury. So if you watch the first film again. Keanu Reeves doesn't, uh, Neo doesn't do as many punches as Smith, where Smith doesn't do as many kicks. They actually did that in that film, so Neo does a lot more kicks in the first film. That changed in the second and the third film, but that's actually one of the reasons why behind the fighting. So actually, because Keanu Reeves actually trained with a neck brace on, so he went to training while his neck was his neck was still healing, which I think is just de fucking dedication. But going back to the film, though, like the ending, um, like I actually, we haven't really spoke about one character. We haven't mentioned him, but uh neil patrick harris yes i was i was gonna ask what you guys thought about that whole subplot i i liked I it to a degree like it, i understood him more than the architect 
Yes. Like, I, I understood his purpose. I loved I loved I loved the shift. Like mm-hmm. um obviously you know he's played you know not great characters like Gone Girl and everything and you know things like that. But obviously a lot of people realize him from like Doogie House and How I Met Your Mother and really Starship Troopers, which a lot of people didn't realise that at the time. Uh, I mean I but, loved him in Gone Girl, but go on. <laughs> yeah, but like him in this film, I think I think the glasses puts off like because he wears blue in the film, like a lot of blue, and you a lot of people associate blue with good, and that's interesting how that played out. And then I lo- I loved how it transitioned to that mirror scene where he's like, no, no, stay here, stay here, stay here, uh, Thomas. Um, I I and... really liked that whole setup to be honest. Uh, except for the the cafe scene was a bit like uh, he was overstaying his welcome a little bit, but the whole premise of having like an agent in the matrix who was still trying to control neo through this like psychiatrist character i thought that was a really interesting take on it but going to the end of the film though where trinity just kicks his jaw off oh god I was i forgot about that that was yeah. messed up and then yeah she cuts his throat and i like i like the fact that when she pushed into the knocked into toys like that's for, that's for giving me kids uh like you know to like why would you fucking you know take the, yeah. you know talk to i was just like thinking that. like i think the one thing I kind of liked about the ending, even though it was a bit like silly and over the top, I kind of liked it anyway because it felt like the characters were just being like, "Fuck it," you know. They were like, yeah. "Oh yeah, we're gonna." Pay- I I like the idea of having the rainbows in the sky, you know, thing. Let's totally do that, Neo. And it was just like, it just felt like they were just like, "Whatever, fuck it." <laughs> like it's we've ending. Been, <laughs> we've been through all these wars. We've been literally died and been sewn back together, and then we've done even more fucking time in the Matrix. Fuck it. Let's just paint the sky. Who cares? I think it's also because obviously the machines have less energy now, so they can't really. You know they have to sort of like listen to the human humanity now, really. Did also, well, huh. in, obviously the machine was about energy consumption and everything. Yeah, and how yeah. they have less energy now, and I think maybe that's why, you know, they've tried to sort of um not, like, go against because they could easily just go at, attack humanity again. Well, that was kind of like the whole thing about putting Trinity and Neo back in was because it kept the peace of the ones who were inside the matrix but it also um because of the whole situation it sparked like a robot civil war and so because the machines kind of like didn't like the way they were treated some of them defected to the human side um but yeah it, it it's it's weird how they've like gone about all of that and then kind of got to this ending yeah <laughs> i guess it's kind of what i thought about it but i didn't hate it and i kind of wish we had more and hoping we get more maybe i'd like an animated show because i i kind of thought the flying off at the end was okay um it obviously you know it literally does a full circle back to the beginning of the first one and but yeah i just i know i i liked the film if i had to give it a rating i'd give it maybe a 6.57 at most like because i think as i said for me it was a case of um the 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 fighting was my biggest like i i love the fighting in those films and the music and that was my biggest concern really and this i loved the story i loved the concept of the story uh you know all that aspect i just wish there was more of that and not as rushed and i really wish that would have been what it was see i i definitely feel very similar to you nate but like i think i'll probably give it a slightly higher rating of like eight just because I, I it gave me the feeling that other people have about reboots and maybe that's just because i like the matrix more than other reboots that have been out but i i felt like i was watching 
a decent sequel to a, a long finished franchise that no one necessarily asked for but like i i still appreciated for what it was and you know it, it gave me enough of the story that i answered questions i had but didn't like you know overstay its welcome either i would be totally fine if they didn't make anything else matrix wise because it had enough for me to be like okay cool that's enough more information about the future matrix than it is now so yeah that's my take yeah, I guess uh, I guess I go with a probably around seven. Um, I I had a lot of fun with it, and I didn't. Ex- it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Um, but yeah, like generally overall, uh, it was enjoyable. It was more funny than I thought. Uh, it, it started better than it finished, but uh, like I said, definitely didn't feel like it was the two and a half hours. Didn't drag. Uh, yeah, enjoyed it. So. That is it, people. We have finished our talk on the Matrix Resurrections. Thank you, uh, Jordan and Chaz, for joining me for that. It was uh, pretty awesome. We've uh, we've delved into no the world, we've delved into the real world, and we've explored how we feel about the sequel after so long. Realizing this is almost twenty years later, it was, you know, I've got to give them the credit. Almost twenty years, it still, you know, still works out really well. I actually did enjoy it a couple more than some other films. Uh, won't go into that definitely seen worse shoehorned in uh sequels for sure yeah uh but i want i want to thank i said i want to thank you for joining me and uh i definitely look forward to having more discussions on more films and other topics later down the line uh if you stuck around to this point i just want to say thank you to all of you for joining us today and please come back next week to see how we felt about our top five tv shows of 2021 and we'll actually have some top fives there and some honorable mentions again and as well as a spoiler discussion for resident evil welcome to raccoon city because yeah, uh, that's gonna definitely gonna need some conversation. I am so hyped! I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, as I said, um, if you'd like to get in contact with us with any questions or queries, please feel free to email us at nmipodcast@outlook.com. That's nmipodcast@outlook.com, or follow us on Twitter and or Instagram at nmicast. As Twitter and Instagram at nmicast, and you can listen this to this on Spotify iTunes, you can listen to now on Google Podcasts, you can listen to listen to us now on Stitcher, and you'll able to listen to us on Amazon, um, the Amazon store soon. So yeah, I just want to thank you all again, but until then, I've been your host, Nate, and I hope you stay safe, and I will see you next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.